You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Ladies and gentlemen, I was about to bring in an echo chamber and announce this like the ring announcer at a boxing match, but we're trying to keep this civil. So there are no boxing gloves, there is no ring, there are no ropes. Chris is going to serve, though, as the trainer and the doctor. So just in case someone gets injured. Yeah, I'm, I'm the cut man. He'll be the cut man. And, you know, if it gets really dark and dirty, man, we're going to cut. I'll tell you. But seriously speaking, we're going to try to cast a little light on the reports or legends of an old UFO case involving the report of a possible UFO crash at Aztec, New Mexico in 1948. Now, our two guests are Scott Ramsey, who's written a book about the subject with his wife, Suzanne, and Frank Thayer and Frank Warren. And we have Kevin Randall, who has written many books on lots of subjects, but doesn't believe in Aztec. Now, this particular debate got started as a result of Kevin making a few comments on the subject during his last appearance in the Paracast. So Scott wanted to get on and answer, so now Scott's going to have, first up to the mic, he's going to answer a few things from Kevin, then Kevin, you could answer him in return. And what I'm going to ask is that you all try to keep your responses reasonably short, Because obviously the way the show is formatted, we break it up into 10-minute segments and we can't have one person talking for 10 minutes because that means the response can't come to the next segment. So let's just try to keep it going. So Kevin Randall, Scott Ramsey, thank you both for joining us on the Paracast. Let's start with Scott. You listened to Kevin's appearance on the last episode. You had a few things to say before we get on. Yeah, actually, I want to go back to August 5th, uh, 2012. I've never had time to respond to Kevin on that. It's similar, the the uh, claims he made. And I don't know if it's the fact that Kevin read the book in, in a hurry or what, but uh, a couple of things that stuck out. Uh, Kevin made the comment that I, I never knew Doug Noland and that my interview concerning Doug was based on uh, other people, secondhand people. Is that correct, Kevin? That doesn't sound right to me, but I don't remember well, what was going I transcribed on in 2012. It. Okay. Well, what I understood, is... what I understood was that uh, the first interview, recorded interview, had been conducted by John Lear and some guy named Randy of Doug Nolan. After Doug Nolan read one of the previous books on it, and then you interviewed him at some later point. Yeah, I, yeah, I interviewed uh, Doug in 2004 twice. And I wasn't even aware of the John Lear tape until many years later when John sent it to me. But the gist of everything in the book, nothing about John Lear's interview is in the book. So everything that I talk about that Doug told us, and I have it, you know, on audio, that I wish I had it on video. But that is all first-hand information from Doug to me in 2004. So I just wanted to clarify that because you, you said, well, Ramsey never, I'm reading transcription, Ramsey never interviewed Doug Noland. Yeah, that, that probably was something I said at the time when, before I had all the information on it, but uh, my understanding was the original tape was done by Lear, and you had a copy of the tape. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost three hours long. Okay. 
I've got more, but why don't we just save them for the show? I mean, you know, I'm sure Kevin has a, a couple of questions for me. I was just going to wait for things to come. I'm uh, moving along. Very okay. good. Okay, so we've moved on a little bit. Let's continue here. Now, one point you keep making, Scott, is whether or not, and you asked me about this, and I guess you've mentioned the same thing about Kevin, whether he read your book, The Aztec Incident. Kevin, you did read the book, right? Yes. Okay. Now, let me ask you then, what is the most serious point do you feel that's lacking in indicating the potential that a UFO crashed at Aztec? Any documentation from March, March, sorry, March of 1948, newspaper accounts, uh, diary entries, letters, anything from March of 1948 that suggested anything happened. That's fair. Yep. Uh, well, unfortunately, you know, Aztec was a tiny, tiny town back in 48. Not that it's any bigger today. It's 6,800 people. Back then, they had the newspaper that came out every Thursday. And it was more of a sale flyer than it was. I mean, we've got copies. We, we actually copied all of 48, 49, and 50. Recently, we went back looking at 51 and 52 because we're looking for the, the Bauer article uh, that we've never been able to find, that everybody claims is there, not not Kevin, but other people. That once-a-week newspaper really concentrated more on the front page of what was new and who was having what sales on what mercantile uh, throughout Blanco and, and the surrounding area. They didn't have a very good newspaper, thus it was acquired in the early 50s by the Farmington Daily Times. So, yes, there are no articles, no reference to it, but on the other hand, uh, everybody, I keep hearing about the, the Bauer article that uh, he wrote it as a tongue-in-cheek uh, April 1st prank, that, which, you know, we looked for years ago. And just recently, because that came up again, we went back and I had Brooks Marshall from Aztec, who lives right there, ex-El Paso Oil Company employee, go you through mean, all El Paso microscope. Natural Gas? It is now. Okay. Yeah, well, actually, it's, it's just been sold again, as a matter of fact. The pensioners just got noticed that uh, they've been sold. But the the fact is, I keep hearing people, and again, not Kevin, state about, well, Frank Bauer, our article uh, talks about the, the April Fool hoax. We can't find that article. The fact is, I don't think any of them exist. I mean, it was a, more of a sale flyer. I've got copies that I can send you guys. Well, the point simply is that there's no contemporary documentation for this. When you look at some of the other alleged UFO crashes, there's always something that's been mentioned somewhere. We can trace it back to uh, newspaper articles. We can find things from that time frame. But with the Aztec, there's nothing that appears until Frank Scully does his tongue-in-cheek article in daily, well, I guess it was weekly variety at the time, mm. um, in, and I, I, for, in 1949, I think it was. And Scully's article is actually making fun of it. Uh, so, so Kev, Kevin, uh, pardon me for interrupting Chris here. Yes, um, go ahead, Chris. So, so what you're saying is is the earliest reference to uh, a potential crash at Aztec was not until almost two years later. Uh, uh, Scott, do you do you have anything uh, that was publicly released before that? No, it was '49 in Scully's first article. And and Scully's article. Um, was, was okay, so it was during. It, how, how far after the the, the crash date uh, did that article come out? Eighteen, yeah, March twenty fifth, 
I don't I don't know the answer to that. I, I have it here in my boxes, but I mean, there's so it was within within a couple months, is what you're saying, Kevin? No, no, it was. I think it was uh, October it was of 1949. So it was okay, so so we're talking seven eight months later then. No, mm-hmm. October of 49 as opposed to March of 1948. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, so it is it is a year and a half yeah, then yeah. later. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, well, Scott, what uh, do you? What sort of documentation do you have uh, prior to that Scully article that that actually mentions the the case in some regard? Uh, other than eyewitness testimony we've had over the years, uh, there there is nothing written. Nothing I've been able to find. Wow, that is that is kind of peculiar, and that's a good point that you bring up, Kevin. Um, Scott, why you know for some of our first time listeners and and people that quite aren't quite up to speed. About the case, why don't you give us a quick 30-second thumbnail of what the Aztec crash uh, was, in, 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 according to your 20-plus you know, years of research into it. Give us a nice little thumbnail sketch of the Aztec crash for our first-time listeners. And before you do All that, right. let's do our break, okay, guys? And then we'll start our second segment, and Scott Ramsey will give us that very brief Reader's Digest version of the Aztec crash, and then we can continue the back and forth in the questioning. And by the way... Scott Ramsey's book is called The Aztec Incident, written with his wife, Suzanne Ramsey, along with Dr. Frank Thayer and Frank Warren. We also have Kevin Randall with Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Gold, it's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? 
Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average over 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Heart and Body Extract continues to receive positive testimonials from people who have experienced amazing results, like Reed. I just wanted to send you a quick but a very big thank you for Heart and Body Extract. I've been on the formula for nearly a month now, and the improvement in the circulation of my legs has been simply amazing. Reed was facing a tough choice. I was facing surgery due to the severity of a 100% blocked arteries in both my legs. And my decision, waiting for surgery to say no and try heart and body extract instead, has been thankfully the right decision. And the result? I can now walk up steps without noticeable pain. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Heart and body extract for a long and healthy life. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. With Gene and with Chris, we have Scott Ramsey, author of The Aztec Incident, along with Suzanne Ramsey, Frank Thayer, and Frank Warren and Kevin Randall, who has written many thousands of books. And we're continuing our discussion, and we're going to, right now, bring everybody a little bit of a reminder here, a short Reader's Digest kind of version of the Aztec incident and what supposedly happened at Hart Canyon back in 1948. Scott? Thanks, Gene. Yeah, the uh, story from what we've learned over the years is oil field workers responding to a brush fire out on Hart Canyon Road near their drip tanks, the company drip tanks, which is never a good idea to have fire near the drip tanks. Uh, once they got out there, they realized the brush fire was up on top of the mesa, not near, not in any danger of the drip tanks. And some of the oil field workers that responded and got there first called up Bill Ferguson and Doug Nolan, Bill being a, a foreman for the oil company, and said, it's not a threat, but you got to see what's up here. And the short version is they got up there, and there, as Doug described it, as a lenticular object laying on top of the mesa, a very large lenticular object. And that's how the story started with us, and that's how we did the research over the years, and it led to 26 and a half years and, and then a book. That's the, the Reader's Digest version. Okay, Kevin, listening to that, What's your response? What do you need to consider this case as something worthy of further investigation? Oh, I, I don't know where to begin. The um, story told by Doug Nolan matches somewhat the story that was printed by Scully and the Behind the Flying Saucers, as related by uh, Silas Newton and Leo Jabauer. 
it, it diverts in some major ways. The uh, original tellers of this tale, Newton and Jabauer, were well-known con men who uh, got themselves in trouble throughout their entire lives with a number of cons working in the oil fields. Uh, we need some documentation to suggest these events took place other than the testimonies. I know Scott in his book uh, talks about Manuel Sandoval, who was a police officer, but I don't believe Scott ever interviewed him. Uh, and yet, if as you read the book, you would think that Scott had gotten a lot of good information from, from Manuel Sandoval, the police officer. From, I think it was from Cuba, New Mexico. I plainly state where the information came from, Kevin. Uh, if you read the book, it looks... Did you interview Manuel Sandoval? No, I interviewed his best friend. I state that and looking at the book right now. But the way... You the, said it was way, hazy and misleading how I, I led into that. I state very plainly, Johnny Hernandez sat down and told Suzanne and I the story. Yes, and it's not man, but but it's from a second-hand source. Is my point? It's from his best friend. You have fa- you well, you put family member in what you say. Uh, uh, they're probably I close. I had the impression from I had the impression from the Aztec incident. It was a family member that you had spoken to. No, no, there there's an elderly son that's still alive, and I believe he's still in a nursing home. No, Manuel was long dead. That that's why I think sometimes the book was read quickly, and you didn't absorb a whole lot of the detail. Yeah, that the whole section on Manuel Sandoval was uh, courtesy of Johnny Hernandez, who is still alive and lives in Cuba. He is actually a town historian. And what page is that on? I just closed the book. Hang on here. I want to show you how spontaneous this episode is. They're going right back to the book to find the specific references so that we can go over each and every aspect of this case to make sure that they're both on the same page. And let's just see what kind of reaction they have to the information from there on. We're only going to be able to to hit so many details. Uh, Sure. You know, it is a complicated case, but... But it can be summed up pretty pretty succinctly. I mean, Frank Scully really is at the at the core of uh, the original dissemination of this particular incident. So you know, everything else is kind of attendant to that, and it's important if it's pre Scully. And 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 looking back at the uh, Scully article that appeared in the Daily Variety in October of 1949, he talks about two UFO crashes, neither one of them in Aztec. Mm-hmm. He talks about them one in uh, I think at the Sahara. The Sahara Desert and one, Sahara Desert and one in the, the Mojave Desert. Mm-hmm. So one in Africa, one in the United States, and it's it's very tongue in cheek. He doesn't seem to think there's anything to it, but he's sort of responding to the idea that there's some kind of a movie being made, and he's being left out of the loop here, and he's he's plugging himself back into the loop. And from that point on, he gets more deeply involved in the Aztec case. I, I, I don't agree with that. After reading it, I'd, I'd like you to go back, Kevin, and reread Scully, the the first column. I'd like you to reread his book and then reread ours. I, I and with a highlighter, I'll supply another copy. And if you go back to Silas Newton and Leo Gaybauer, by the way, is how you say that. I just had dinner with his daughters. He got dragged into the Newton thing, and there's really no yeah. there's there's no defending uh, Silas Newton. He was a Mover and a shaker from the the Roaring Twenties uh, prior to the uh, to the stock market crash, and and further on, I, I do take exception to the fact that you count 140 liens, lawsuits, and liens against him by the time he was dead. Warren and I, although we are not done, we found one small lien against him in Arizona. I don't know where you come up with 140. Um, I think it was in. Uh... 
J.P. Cairns article or, or no. one, of the, one of the following articles on this? The only time it's mentioned 140 is by Bill Moore in no, his there movie. There you go. Well, there you go. He sent, a copy, he sent a copy to Alice Scully. The copy in her letters and transcripts with it are sitting at the University of Wyoming in Laramie. Uh, did, her Scully, did, did Newton in Gebauer, or whatever the hell his name was, uh, did they uh, stand trial in Colorado for fraud? Newton and Gebauer did, yes. Yes, and were they convicted? They're, they're, they're not convicted in a civil court. Were they convicted? The, the, the word on the on the Denver Post is sci, uh, scientists convicted of fraud, and that was redacted two days later. They said, "Oops, no, no, no conviction of uh, fraud when it's a civil case." They had a judgment awarded against them. Yes. Now there you go. Well, but now let's back up now, Kevin. Let's be fair. No, let's, let's you be said, fair. I'm, I'm tired of this nonsense. This case is a oh, whole. Well, wait a minute. These are your words describing the book at my book. Okay, guys, calm down a little bit here. And Let's I would continue. like to know, I'm, I'm try, it would have helped immensely to have an index in the book, uh, by the way, but I would like to know where, where you talk about, begin to talk about Manuel Sandoval. First mentions on page three. Can we, can we finish Thank my you. question? Can we go, go back and my question? You're claiming as though it's fact that Newton had 140 liens against him in lawsuits by the time he died. We have found one. Bill Moore makes that statement in his 1989 or whatever MUFON paper. He sent that's a copy where I to got Alice. The information. Okay, that's fine. He sent a copy of that to Alice Scully. That copy and her letters are on file at the University of Wyoming in Laramie, where she calls his entire report laughable. Wasn't 89 the year that, that Moore came forward and did his mea culpa? Uh, I don't, yes, I don't, it is. I, in, interesting yes, it timing is. there. Well, but I'm saying, Kevin, you know, we've got to be careful what we quote as fact. Kevin Moore's paper was laughable. Let's continue with this discussion <laughs> in our next segment. I think if Bill Moore came out in 89 and... Uh, Chris, I have to break it. Okay. Okay. All right. The book is called The Aztec Incident and the Great Debate with Scott Ramsey and Kevin Randall with Gene and Chris. You're in... The Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. 
big business has discovered the preparedness market, and that makes it difficult to know where to go and who to trust. MyPatriotSupply.com is owned and operated by patriots just like you, has the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more. MyPatriotSupply.com has old-fashioned values and the absolute best customer service in the industry. Look for the deal of the day, unique affordable survival supplies that fit anyone's budget. Get same-day shipping on all orders and free shipping on orders over $49. Call 866-229-0927, 866-229-0927, or visit MyPatriotSupply.com for emergency preparedness, self-reliance, and food independence. Shop with a name you know and a name you can trust. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Tees. Renovate your health one bag at a time. Springtime is sale time at Herbal Healer Academy. Current customers know this is the time to save big and stock up at HerbalHealer.com. New customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Right now, Herbal Healer's spring specials include our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale, CoQ10 with Hawthorne, Colon Enhancer, Sea Cucumber, Super Fam and Super Male Plex, plus Glucosamine Chondroitin, our best-selling liquid CalMag Vitamin D, and our colloidal minerals, all on sale for spring at HerbalHealer.com. And Herbal Healer also offers certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on to our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education. Since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy at HerbalHealer.com. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? On the Paracast with Gene and Chris, we have Kevin Randall and Scott Ramsey debating the Aztec case. You were about to say something further on this before we progress with further responses from Scott and Kevin. Chris? I just find it interesting that Bill Moore should make this claim the same year that he also did his famous mea culpa and, you know, announced to everyone at the MUFON symposium that, that he had been part of a disinformation campaign. And, uh, I mean, that, that we've done whole shows practically on that subject, so we can't obviously digress there. But I'm just pointing out that that this this is pretty... This is a very uh, interesting, crucial kind of quincunx here that we have going on. 
Kevin, what do you think of that? I mean, is there, should we have reasons to be suspicious of that? There, of course, when Bill Moore says something, we need to be suspicious of it. Bill Moore himself cut his own throat in, uh, I think it was July of 1989 at the MUFON conference. Correct. No question about it. There is other documentation that, that uh, Newton, at least, was uh, involved in a number of scams. And what he would do uh, is, when he was, when he was uh, uh, caught in one of these scams, he'd pay off the people and all the charges would be dropped and he'd go on to the next one. Newton is not a credible source. He's no more credible than Bill Moore is. And this is where the story originates, is with uh, Silas Newton talking to Frank well, Scully. It, it, it doesn't originate with me with Silas Newton. I talk about Newton in the book. I talk about Gabar in the book. If, if I had looked into this, Kevin, really years ago, October 87, and couldn't find anybody in the area that knew anything about it, and everything rested back on Scully's book, I would have been done with this by 88. But you know, I, can, I can remove those guys with a scalpel right out of the story. Just take Gabauer and, and move them out. And there's still a story here with locals. And there's locals who said nothing happened. Oh, and I go through that in the book. I talk about yes, that in the book. I know. 33% of people in the town, basically, and that's pretty accurate, say, are you kidding me? 33% in the town say could care less, and 33% of the town, including local sheriffs and a judge, say, of course, something happened out there. We don't know what it was. And the, and the man who was sheriff at the time says nothing happened. The editor of the newspaper at the time said nothing happened. No, 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 no. Uh, you, have no you have no documentation that, that precedes Newton, Scully, and Gibauer. Yes, you do. What? You have people like Doug Nolan. And when did he, when did he first speak? Well, let's see. When, when was his first interview? I, I can give you the answer to that. I don't have it at my fingertips. No, well, it, it was in the 1990s, wasn't it? Yes, yes. Precise. Yeah, give us a ballpark. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely mid-90s. And my point simply is this. You hear nothing about Aztec. Yeah, that's almost 50 years later. That's So, so Nolan doesn't count because he... He, he doesn't have a letter, he doesn't have a diary, he doesn't have anything dated from 1948 to say this, this event happened. You have what he was saying in the mid-1990s about events back in 1948. It's the same problem I've been chasing with the pre-Kenneth uh, Arnold sightings from 1947. There's an awful lot of people who said, yes, I saw something before Kenneth Arnold, but I can't document any of it. So it's the same sort of thing. Nolan, Nolan says, yes, I was there, but he doesn't say it until many, many years later. Let me ask you a question here, guys. Was he even asked about this case prior to the 1990s? I, I can't answer that question. If if I, 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 the answer to the question is in the three-hour tapes. But it's I, been... think, I think, and, and, and please note the qualification, I think that what happened was Nolan got a hold of Steinman, William Steinman, who wrote the UFO crash at Aztec, and talked to him about it, and Steinman and Lear got together in some fashion, and that was how Lear got onto Nolan. And then I, Nolan, I if, if you've got better information, uh, this, is what I, this is what I understand at, at this time. No, that's, I can guarantee you that Bill Steinman never talked to Doug Nolan. Doug Nolan through Lear, wanted to contact Steinman. Okay. And by the time Steinman 
got that word from Lear, their book, the Wendell Stevens, uh, Bill Steinman book was already out. It was one evening that Bill Steinman said, there is a guy that came forward well after our book was out. You may want to talk to him. I subsequently have talked. I talked to Bill at least every two weeks, Bill Steinman. Tell I went back. Him I said hi. I will. I will. Did he know you? No. Oh, I just okay. know his book and have read his book and just thought I'd say hi. Okay. I'll do that. I took him out to lunch about a year ago. Um, there is. You know, I went back and asked him pointed questions about this. I said, Bill, we've been talking for 21 years, just so I'm clear on this. And we went through the same questions and... Lear and Doug Nolan certainly had a relationship. I mean, Doug ran the assay, owned the assay company outside of Vegas that did the assay for John uh, John Lear's uh, gold mines. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that right there speaks volumes. We have Bill Moore, we have John Lear. I mean, these are nefarious disinformation agents, uh, you know, 101. I mean, we can't rely on, you know, I mean, let's look at what uh, what Lear has done. Uh, through the years. He presented the Lear I, I, hypothesis I, in 87. I'd be Lear. very careful. Lear has one huge legal staff, so be very careful. <laughs> I'm, no, just, I'm, I'm stating I, I, what, is, what I've already stated before on this show. Okay, all right, all right. I you know, know he, the just, hypothesis he just blew up on somebody Cooper. not too long ago. I mean, so you could go down the line. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I respect his service to his country. I question it uh, on some level, but... Uh, I, I think Aztec really needs that 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 basement bedrock kind of Roswell sort of of smoking gun uh, piece of evidence, piece of documentation, something that that that, that predates the Scully the Scully uh, oh, account. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I know Kevin agrees with me, Scott. I mean, where how do you replace that? Well, we're, we're talking about one little segment of the book. I mean, you, you, we go on. Uh, there's plenty. There's a sting operation set, set up in downtown Denver to, to retrieve uh, black and white photos. I don't know if the government would really go that far if they thought the Aztec story was a hoax. Nobody talks about that. We do. We talk about it in the book. Those are genuine documents. Well, that, yeah, that's interesting. I do recall that from the book. Why don't you give our, our uh, you know, folks that aren't as up to speed on Aztec a little thumbnail sketch on that. That is, that is a, a interesting kind of detail. Well, basically, at the Edelweiss Bar, which is was a bar next to the Melwin Hotel in downtown Denver, the FBI, the Army CID, uh, Air Force OSI set up a sting bar a sting uh, operation at the bar from a gentleman that is claiming to be with the Baltimore paper who's there to buy black and white pictures of the UF of a flying saucer that was recovered in Aztec, New Mexico, specifically. Their words, not mine. Okay, and, and give us the time frame. What, what year? Well, here, let me pull the document. We can read it instead of going for mine. Well, well just give me a year uh, and continue. Basically, the fifth, 1950. Okay. Right, right at the time Scully's book comes out, give or take. So the the this thing operation goes down. The gentleman supposedly from the Baltimore Sun Times explains, "Hey, look, guys, I'm just a reporter doing my job." Somehow he is released. The other gentleman claims, "I don't have photographs. I I was pulling his leg. I was drunk." They release him supposedly. All the follow-up documents. As requested by Warren and I, over a two-year period, Army CID, 
up at Fort Belvoir. The FBI, not in Winchester, Virginia, but in downtown D.C., where the main archives are. Air Force OSI came back, said we threw those records out years ago. So there's no follow-up documents about this Mr. Klein from the Baltimore paper. I go to the Baltimore paper with their lead investigator, Joe Burris, and they basically, I know Gene said to keep this short, there is no Klein that ever worked for the paper back then. And we're going to get the second part of that answer in our next segment. We have Scott Ramsey, Kevin Randall debating Aztec New Mexico with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. From the makers of Blocket Pocket, we bring you a serious message about the health risks associated with cell phones and wireless devices. Studies have shown that long-term exposure can contribute to an assortment of health risks. Blocket Pocket offers you two new products designed to help alleviate your concerns. See these two remarkable products at BlockitPocket.com. Call 888-315-9618. Free shipping to the lower 48. BlockitPocket.com. Enhancing health and privacy. Ceramic body armor is rated to stop six hits. But what about the seventh? Unlike ceramic or Kevlar, Infidel body armor is proven to take hit after hit, and it just won't quit. Reasonably priced and designed for the smart civilian prepper, Infidel stops hundreds of hits from small arms to high-powered rifles. That means safety and peace of mind. Buy yours at InfidelBodyArmor.com. Spelled I-N-F-I-D-E-L BodyArmor.com. Infidel body armor just won't quit. Nutritious food is real body armor. It builds muscle, burns fat, improves digestion, and feeds the entire body the nutrients it needs. Did you know the U.S. government banned the hemp plant from growing in the United States and classified it as a Schedule One drug to hide it behind the marijuana plant? People have been confused about this plant for over 80 years, and many still don't know what hemp is. So now you know hemp is not marijuana, and marijuana is not hemp. They are different varieties of the same species. Hemp USA.org wants the world to know these basic facts and to help people understand that hemp protein powder is the best-kept health secret you need to know about. Remember, hemp protein powder contains 53% protein, is gluten-free, anti-inflammatory, non-GMO, and is loaded with nutrients. Call 888-910-4367, 888-910-4367, and see what our powder, seeds, and oil can do for you only at HempUSA.org. 
Hi, my name is DeRay, suffering from migraines, having Botox injections in my head and neck to alleviate pain, costing $1,500 out of my pocket. I discovered Dr. Ortman and Gentle Touch Chiropractic Adjustment called Nuka. I'm migraine-free since my first adjustment. Thanks for giving me my life back, Dr. Ortman. I wish they prescribed you instead of Botox. Thanks, DeRay. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the solution. We design a nutritional supplement program the body can handle, actually absorb, providing nutrients, targeting the problem area. Between Nuka and Nutrition, we will have you on the road to a faster and more permanent recovery. Look us up on the web at drwartman.com or call 952-303-9124. Let us help you feel better faster. Wellspring Spinal Care at 952-303-9124. Again, that's 952-303-9124 or on the web at drortman.com. This is Kurt Southern, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. With Gene and Chris on the Paracast, we continue our wide-ranging discussion about the ins and outs, the nooks and crannies of the reports that a UFO crash at Aztec, New Mexico Arguing in favor of Scott Ramsey, the book is The Aztec Incident, Recovery at Heart Canyon. Arguing against is Kevin Randall. I don't expect we'll change minds here, but we'll continue <laughs> our discussion. Scott? Well, we were talking about the uh, the letter uh, going back and forth from Army uh, CID and Air Force OSI and the FBI on the, the sting operation at the Edelweiss Bar. Um, I, I just don't think, and Kevin, you, you, you had a, a great career, and we, we appreciate that with the military. I don't think that three of these organizations would have spent this much time on a non-event. I, I just really don't. And, and, and it is clear. Well, I have. mean, Scott, you do have to entertain the possibility that Scully's account may have, have stirred uh, you know, the aspirations of some hoaxer to come forward and claim that he had evidence to support the stories. Uh, Absolutely. I, I agree. However, how does a guy by the name of Klein, and by the way, when we did the search for this, we spelled it every, every conceivable way you can spell Klein. How does a guy like with the name Klein, posing as a reporter for the Baltimore Sun in Denver, slip through everybody's fingers of the intelligence community? What kind of documentation did he have that they went, oh, he's just a reporter chasing a story, let him go? I, I don't think that would happen. Well, what do you think, Kevin? I mean, this, this again, admittedly, this did occur after the Scully account. I mean, we're we're talking about 1950 here. Well, you're in the military, or you have been. You you served proudly. Uh, I mean, can you conceive of this uh, being possible? Or I'm not sure what the argument here is. Well, in other words, he's saying that if he can't find a reporter named Klein at the Baltimore Sun, perhaps that was some sort of ringer sent in by the intelligence services to gather additional data. And, and to maybe uh, kind of do some damage control potentially in their eyes. I mean, is that is that a logical you, you know you, possibility? You, you, or there's all sorts of possibilities here in this. Well, uh, uh, Scott, what Scott's saying is the very fact that they appear to be interested, and they may have set up a ringer. I mean, they wouldn't do that just over somebody responding to a it, it, an innocuous joking account. You can you can take a look at the MJ12 documents and how the government responded to the first claims of those documents right away looking to make sure that that uh, 
legitimately classified material hadn't been compromised, which is well, a legitimate, yeah, which is a legitimate claim. We're talking about Frank Scully writing an article versus, you know, real government documents, supposedly. I mean, there's a big difference there. So we have no government documents about this investigation in Denver? Well, we, we, have we do. Yeah. It's not like, uh, you know, a, a whistleblower, you know, smoking gun Snowden type, you know, laying a bunch of WikiLeaks, laying a bunch of documents out for people to, uh, you know, to go over. It, it's different. Scott's dug this stuff up. Uh, I mean, this is procedural stuff that he's gotten, and much to his credit, you know, he's a real good researcher. Oh, there's no question that some of the documents that he's published in his book are, were nice to see for the first time and give us some, some insight. I guess the question right. is, do we have their documentation... I haven't looked at the book for a while. I'm holding it in my hand now, trying to trying to find. Well, it's, it's all the pre-Scully stuff that's really important. I think Scott would agree, and I'm sure he has beaten more than a few chico bushes around the Aztec area to, to find. Two hundred and sixty-seven trips as of March. So yeah, yeah, I've been out there a little bit. <laughs> and boy, I tell you, there's a lot of places in in the Four Corners area that I'd rather be than Aztec, especially if I got caught short and ended up in the Hickoria. I guess the, the, the germane question for me is, looking at the documents, do we have government documents, and this is the part I don't quite understand, do we have government documents saying that they investigated this guy, this reporter from Baltimore, did they investigate this guy? Uh, do we have documents saying that, or is it just a report from Scully saying that this all took place? Scully, Scully doesn't even know this took place. There's no mention of this. And, Chris, thanks for giving me credit for this document, but I, I wasn't the one that retrieved it. I believe it was Dr. Bruce Maccabee and, and Frank Warren. The, uh, <laughs> Bruce Maccabee supplied you with those documents? I well, I, I, think, I think he supplied them to Warren after all the years he was going through the FBI files. I love I'd, have to look, I'd have to look at the tab on this. I love fact, the evidence chain here. It's just, it's just sparkles. But the question, the question is, do we have documents about an investigation, government documents about the investigation in Denver, or is this just a story being told by others no. about this? Do we have the, documents? The document is published in the book. It's, it's a letter. You'll, you'll find it quicker than I will right now. I got so many things dog-eared and, and posty noted. But if you have a problem with it, that would probably be a great round two show, right? But to answer your question, Kevin, yeah, it's it's a legitimate document describing the events in Denver. Yeah, and it comes it, it comes from a government source. Mm hmm Okay. Yeah. And again, then we tried to follow up with Army CID in Fort Belvoir, and they said, "Eh, threw them out. Sorry." It is dated nine October nineteen fifty. It is from October ninth, nineteen fifty, from headquarters, United States Air Force, Washington. A purchase of flying saucer photographs. It was unclassified 9 December 1973. If you have the book, it's in the chapter George Kohler and the Air Force Boys, page 179. Well, Scott, uh, does it refer to the source of these um, supposed uh, photographs and, and, yeah. and what were their claims about them? I mean, L.D. McLaughlin, Melvin Hotel, Denver, Colorado. Uh, he's willing to sell the photographs. I'm going to do this real quickly. Fifteen hundred dollars. The photographs named, of what, Scott? Uh, I'll read exactly there. Uh, Fifth Army G2, Klein Saucer. 
he photographed uh, this saucer which crashed near Aztec, New Mexico. It's it's redacted. Uh, on and on and on. Well, wait a minute. What's redacted? Aztec, New Mexico is redacted. No, Aztec, New Mexico. Is why it, it's names? It's other people. Yeah, so names. Aztec is named in the document. Yeah, near so Aztec, in New the document. Wow. Yep. Okay. And then it says on October 2nd was interviewed at the 5th Army Regional Office in Denver. He then denied any knowledge of the flying saucer episode. Well, read read the rest. Okay. I was, the regional office commented that in spite of his denials, his manner indicated that he had some knowledge of the incident or may have taken pictures of it. Um, There's a some question in their mind. Yes, pictures of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the a, uh, chief of staff, um, G2, 5th Army, advised it had been reported that the OSI, Kansas City, Missouri, is investigating the pertinent incident and has requested they be furnished copy of report pertaining thereto, that the office has also requested any additional information regarding this or other similar sightings which may come to the attention of OSI within the 5th Army area. It sounds like they're actually referring to other paperwork. Well, it, we know there were three involved, three other organizations, well, three total. But I guess what struck us is that Klein doesn't exist. L.D. McLaughlin is the gentleman offering the photos for sale. So, I mean, it, it's, it's my well, if you have that. down there that, that a, a reporter named so, you know, something Klein from the Baltimore Sun was there, and you can't find any any sort of trace of him. Obviously, I, if you had the, the one of the, <laughs> the Baltimore Sun's, you know, investigative reporters helping you investigate the Baltimore Sun, you should be okay. able to find the Klein based on all the different spellings that you tried. So that, to me, is very, very intriguing. Yeah. And the yeah. fact that I've just been made aware that there's other documentation out there that refers to some sort of government uh, interest in the, the scenario. But, yeah, I think that, that's, that's cool, but it's all post-Scully. I still keep saying that. Yes, okay. well, the, Scully's the book is, when, came when out. Was, there was, that was going to be my question. When did Scully's book come out? September 17th, released from Henry Hoyt and Company, 1950. This is what, two, three? Let's get Oh, wait a minute. Okay, later. I thought it came out in 49. Okay, I'm, no, I'm no, correct. No, first article stuff is happening pretty first, much simultaneously. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, there, there, there's a lot of... <laughs> If your show was four hours, we could probably fill it up. But uh, it, all of it is circumstantial. The, the, we can't get a follow-up document from the Air Force OSI. We can't get a follow-up article or, or any paperwork from Army CID. So it leaves you hanging. But the interesting part is, again, and I go back to what I said earlier, Kevin, in October 87, if this thing went on and on and, and nobody in town, everybody had laughed me out and called me the town drunk, I'd be done by 88. There are bits and fragments and pieces that keep this case going and without Scully, without Gaybauer. And we have to explore that further and get Kevin's questions answered. And anytime you have a comment or a question about the show, write us news at theparacast.com. Once again, that's news at theparacast.com. As we okay. explore the Aztec incident in this great debate with Scott Ramsey and Kevin Randall with Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast.
Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Oh, this is getting more and more fascinating by the second. This is the kind of show where Chris and I can kind of just let these guys talk, but there are so many things to try to figure out. We're trying to piece together reports about a possible UFO crash that occurred over 60 years ago. That's not easy. Kevin Randall, Scott Ramsey joining us. The book is The Aztec Incident. That's how it goes. Kevin? Yes. You have a response before we continue. No, no, no. I was. I, my question to Scott had been, when did Scully's book come out? And he said September of uh, 1950. This event took place a few weeks later. Um, it's interesting, interesting, but it doesn't... It didn't transpire prior to uh, Scully's book being released, so you've you've got a you've got a bit of a problem there. I've been trying to go through the Martin Sandoval stuff, which we talked about earlier, and I cannot find. And Scott, I've, I've read, tried to read, and, and granted, you know, we're having these conversations. I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to read. Sure. But um, I do not, I, I do not understand your claim. Oh, I, I don't mean to phrase it that way. I, 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 that's bad phrasing that. on my part. Uh, but um, on Martin Sandoval, I don't see 
easily. And as I said, you know, I'm trying to do all of this at the same time. It still reads to me as if Sandoval had been had been spoken to um, during in, in, in the course of the way this is written. And I might well, I think the, the first chapter we're we're telling the story of what has transpired, what we found in the case. We bring in the different players. Then after that, we go into the you know the next chapter is about Frank Scully, and on and on. S- Sandoval, it's Manuel Sandoval. He has mentioned. Said, didn't I? You said Martin, but that's okay. I, that's I find it interesting. My, my other my other phone was ringing. I thought it was a guy, a friend of mine named Martin, who. Oh, okay, was that's fine. There, there, there's actually a Martin Sandoval in Cuba. They're they're all related. The, all the Sandovals. I, I have this on disk. I can pull it up, highlight it, and email it to you after tonight. But it's the Johnny Hernandez interview is where I go into detail about it. In the book? Yes. In your, in, in your book? Uh, mm-hmm. And you, he shows up where? I, I don't know, Kevin. I got so many things. I basically posty noted things that I was taking exception to to what you said. And I, you know. Okay. Well, it, like I said, re, in reading the, the first chapter, and I understand your narrative construction, but it, it, it seems to be suggested here, and, and again, it's a suggestion that, that Sandoval had been uh, interviewed at some time because it seems, seems as if he's being quoted. And let me see what I was looking for a thing. Um, Doug asked, what should we do? The young officer whom we have since identified as Manuel Sandoval explained that he was from the town of Cuba. Uh, he told Doug that it finally led him to the Hart Canyon Road. So, I mean, the way this is structured, it seems as if uh, you had interviewed Sandoval, and I'm not the only one that has drawn that conclusion, however erroneous it might have been. And so it, I guess it's more of a constructional problem with the way the book is written as opposed to uh, anything else and our misreading of what you had said. Mm-hmm. Manuel Sandoval appears at least twice, if not three times, in the book. Well, as I said, that that seems to be, and I, I get I hesitate to use the term misleading, but it seems as if you had interviewed. Well, I, I can go Sandoval. into detail on that with my interview with Johnny Hernandez. You're asking me what page it's on, and like I say, I, no, I can't I didn't tell you that I, right now, but I can I, I can identify that. I just asked what chapter it was in. Okay, I don't know. Okay, and and then did you? Get documentation that Doug Nolan worked in that area at the proper time. Yes, and tax records that he had. Uh, he had moved down there from uh, Mancos, Colorado. Uh, the, the work in Mancos, which isn't that far, it's just the west side of the. Uh, you, you go north into Colorado. If you bear east, you hit Durango. If you go west, you hit Mancos. And Mancos had been hit pretty hard. And until the dam project, which we talk about later in the book, there was no work up there, and he came down because that was just the beginning of the the boom in the oil fields. But, uh, yeah, I've got tax records where he lived, where he paid uh, his uh, property tax. And uh, there's people alive in in, uh, Aztec that knew knew him and remember him real well. Keep in mind, his daughter still lives in Farmington. Okay. Which is, you know, 21 miles away. And what about this Fred Reed guy? Yes. Who uh, sent a uh, letter to the Aztec newspaper in 1999? De- he sent it to Deborah Meyer, that's correct. Well, he'd gone out to the crash site, but he said uh, they'd built stone cairns marking the path from the oil field road to the crash site? Yes. Um, that he had been in the OSS in 1948? 
and that mm-hmm. he uh, had come out of Roswell, New Mexico, out of the Roswell base to. I don't clean believe up the he. Area. I don't believe he ever mentions that he came out of Roswell, but. Um, he writes in April 1948. Reed's military team was dispatched for a crash cleanup, as Fred would describe it to me years later in 19 years later in 1999. Uh, my only problem is uh, this is I, I'm looking at Jerry Clark's review of your book. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's where I've I've got that information. Uh, but I've got Reed seeming to be not the most credible of sources. And why is that? Uh, because of the letter that he sent to uh, sent to the Aztec newspaper on March 27, 1999. For I, have the ori- I have the original. So you know what he said? Yeah, I know exactly what he says, yeah. I don't believe uh, he mentioned that he was from Roswell Army Airfield. Uh, <laughs> uh, once again, I, uh, I'm, I'm reading from, from Jerry's review of the book. And it says, he writes that in April 1948, Reed's military team was dispatched for a crash cleanup, as Fred would describe it to me years later in 1999. I don't know who me is in this. The cleanup at Hart Canyon site was to be anything, to be of anything tied to the craft and to a subsequent military presence at the site. So... Uh, Okay, fine. What's not credible about Fred Reed? Everybody in the town of Aztec that was around up until his death would tell you, you know, he did meals on wheels, he was active in the community, helped the elderly with their taxes, unfortunately died of a massive heart attack. I I don't know where you're getting he wasn't credible. Uh, How is he not credible? Because of uh, his claim to have been in the OSS in 1948. You have documents to tell us he wasn't? Yes, no, it well, didn't exist in 1948. CIA, yeah, it would have been, been OS, whatever. The Central Intelligence Group. Right, right. Um, any documentation that he was a member of the Central Intelligence Group? No. That's that's all I'm asking. All I'm saying. Um, that's, I, I I mentioned Fred in the book. I don't yes, you publish. Do. I don't publish his letter to Deborah Mayu. I talked to Fred on the phone. Suzanne and I literally had airline tickets uh, to go fly out and interview him. When Leanne Hathcock called and said uh, Fred died of a massive heart attack on Life Flight last night en route to Albuquerque, so I, I, you know, Fred is a person making a claim, but not somebody other than talking to on the phone. I had time to really interview. I understand that. I'm just talking about uh, the story, the, the report that he told in the, gave to the newspaper, and then what he said later. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I can't alter what they say, Kevin. I, gotta, I, I put it um, in the book as I know it. Okay, you talked about a guy named George. Mm-hmm. Now we call him George. Yes. He retold uh, his story to me during a cold winter night on the East mm-hmm. Coast. When he retired, he explained to me that the Aztec recovery, as he put it, was coordinated directly out of Walker Air Force Base. Yes. That would be Roswell, of course. For, yes, it was, formally, yeah. So, I'm, I, you know, I just that just seems to be, and again, I'm looking at your book, um, trying to piece all these things together as we chat here, which is... Okay, let's keep, it, let's keep in one thing about George now. George is well-known by Mike Price, by Frank Warren, and Dennis Balthaser. We verified all his records. We verified that he is in the yearbook. So, you know, if he's making up the story... Wait, he's in the, year, the Roswell yearbook? 
Yeah, and we're going to have the answer to that Roswell yearbook and more. A lot of evidence to explore here. A lot of pros and cons with Scott Ramsey, Kevin Randall with Gene and Chris in The Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Gold. If you listen to the radio, watch TV, or surf the net, you're hearing about gold. Eventually you will ask yourself, is gold right for me? The answer might surprise you. We protect ourselves and our families from many things. Do you have medical insurance? Is your home insured? Do you carry life insurance? How about financial insurance? If you own gold, then the answer is yes. If you don't own gold, the question is, why don't you have financial insurance? We put our faith in things we trust. Do you trust the dollar? Do you trust the economy? Do you trust the government? Gold has always been something you can trust. For thousands of years, people have put their faith in gold. Where will you put your faith? Now is the time to protect yourself and your family. Call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237, extension 242. 1-800-686-2237, extension 242. And ask for Jim Parker. Let me help you get started today. 1-800-686-2237, extension 242. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. After 22 years of nutritional counseling, I've witnessed that a lot of illness can be linked to toxins and deficiencies combined. Improving your liver function and restoring your cells' ability to detoxify is essential to achieving radiant health. Listen to the real-world results of Doug and his wife after taking One World Way. My name is Doug Didero. For years, I had an ongoing rash with itching around my eyes. This was due to metal dust particles landing on my face in the workplace. After being on One World Way for two weeks, I began to have a severe rash and itching sensation around my eyes. This rash and itching lasted for five weeks and is now 100% gone. 
Additionally, without extra exercise, I've also increased my muscle size, and my wife has lost weight and gained a more attractive figure. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. I'd like to thank both of you as we continue, Kevin Randall and Scott Ramsey, for first putting up with some connection issues, but also for being very civil to each other and trying to dig up the facts and understand what we know and don't know about the Aztec case. Now, Scott, you said he was in this particular yearbook. Was it a school yeah. yearbook? No, it's a, uh, this is the base yearbook. The base of the base yearbook. Okay, this is the base Walker. yearbook indicating personnel, and he was in there. Yes. Okay. And what was his name, last name? We're, we're not going to release his name at this time. Warren and I are oh. still working on a lot of things. Because yeah, I have a copy of the yearbook right here. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's in there. And- Why don't you uh, go ahead and just do uh, a private message uh, to Kevin and give him the name so he can uh, find it. I'm not releasing his name to anybody until his two sons and George and I agree to do that. George allowed me to release his name to Warren and to Balthazer and to Mike Price so we could verify his story. Okay. All right. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, you yeah. have to honor all requests for anonymity, and I understand that. Yeah, I didn't I'm not going to argue with that point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think the next field trip, and I, and I mean this sincerely, I'd love for Kevin and his wife to meet us out in Aztec. Well, first of all, my wife will not meet you in Aztec. She's she not doesn't a road travel traveler. well. <laughs> she just does not like to travel. Oh, okay. Especially I thought you two were road warriors going to all these conferences. Uh, not with her. Oh, <laughs> Okay. She didn't go with me to Iraq either. Well, I can yeah. understand that. That was a good call on her part. <laughs> Absolutely. Bad call on mine. Yeah, I hear you. Well, you're back. Well, let's move it along well, here. The, yeah. the, 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 I guess you know, whole... I, I think we've, we've reached an impasse with this particular you know, cul-de-sac here. I mean, obviously, if the guy is making claims, uh, at some point, I would hope Scott would be able to back that up. And, oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, yeah, important. I that's a biggie. But my whole thing always goes back to Scully. And one of our questions uh, at forum.theparacast.com is from Century, who's been quite an active participant over the last couple of years. And he was a guest on the show, by the way. And he was a guest on the show, exactly, uh, three weeks ago, if I remember. Frank Scully, associated with the contactees, and even planned a second UFO book, one on the UFO contact, reported by Daniel Fry, who brought you wonderful brother Boko, if memory serves me correct. Negotiations failed. Fry came out with his own book. How do you feel Frank Scully's association with the contactees reflects on his ability to evaluate reliable sources? Let me throw that one uh, over to you, Scott, and then Kevin. Okay. Well, first of all, Frank Scully never wrote that book. That's a myth that's floated around. The second book he wrote to back, you know, first was Behind the Flying Saucers. The second one was, no, I got it right here. Anyway, the third book was a sequel to Behind the Flying Saucers that I have the rough manuscript right here. But that book never got published. That never got published, that's correct. And then Silas Newton wrote a book with, it seems, and I'm going out on a limb here, but it seems like Scully helped him, because there's a little bit of Frank Scully writing flair in it. 
But, you know, that's why we spent five days in Laramie. There's 33,000 documents in the Frank Scully collection. Mike Price and I got there Sunday night. We worked until they threw us out Friday. Came back with 916 copies of documents, of course. They have just about every book that uh, he ever wrote, whether it was Flying Saucers or, you know, the entertainment or whatever. It appears that that contact e-book, if it was written, it's not even in the catalog of what the Scully family Well, according to the question here from Century, uh, the negotiations failed and Fry came out with his own book. Chris, let me interrupt here, because I think I can end this discussion right now. Ed Ruppelt who everybody holds up as the epitome of the UFO field, the guy that wrote the report on unidentified flying objects, a former chief of Project Blue Book. Well, he coined the term. He was going to write a book on contactees as well. So it was, it was a subject of interest to a wide range of people. Sure. And, and the fact that Scully might have been entertaining writing a book for about contactees, to me, strikes me as wholly irrelevant, just as the fact that... Uh, Ruppelt was going to write a book about uh, the contactees as well. So I, I, I think this is kind of a, a direction we don't need to go. I think that, that the answer is if, if you get into this field, you may find areas that interest you, and it, you just go off in that direction. I think, I think Nick, Nick Redfern actually was talking about doing a book on contactees. And, right. and Nick, if I'm wrong, forgive me on that one. But I think Well, Greg Bishop should, should also be involved in that. He's, he's really up to speed on some of the more bizarre uh, examples. Well, I think Essentially's question basically reflected on on a possible question about Scully being able to vet witnesses and evaluate reliable wit- uh, reliable sources, as he put it in his question. You know, I'm just I'm just wondering here whether we're ever going to be able to really get to the bottom of this without some sort sort of smoking gun pre Scully uh, you know revelation. I think anything short of that is going to be really difficult to conclusively prove anything. Even you know, look at Roswell. We have so much uh, interesting documentation concerning Roswell, at least references to it. At some point, I wanted to ask uh, both of you about the Rich Reynolds article that uh, mentioned something about, uh, you know, Aztec was actually a diversion to deflect attention away from Roswell and and mention of photographs that have been recently uncovered, uh, which sounds very intriguing. Uh, Kevin, how how do you respond to that? What, What do you think of that? particular spin that Aztec was real, but it was actually, uh, you know, Roswell. Back in uh, mid-1970s, 1974, I think, Robert Spencer Carr came out with an article or a statement that the Aztec UFO crash was real. He gave the names of five of the witnesses to Len Stringfield. For some reason, Len Stringfield's name eluded me for a moment. And Len Stringfield confirmed that he'd talked to those people and they did talk about a crashed UFO. Then Mike McClellan did an article for official UFO called the the UFO crash at Aztec is a hoax. And he went through all the reasons he thought it was a hoax. They went back to Carr and Carr said, um, well, I thought it was Aztec. It may have been somewhere else. And so you can look at all of that evolution of stuff and say, well, Carr was talking about witnesses from Roswell as opposed to Aztec. But in the mid-1970s, nobody was talking about a UFO crash at Roswell. Everybody was talking about the one... Uh, event, alleged event in, in Aztec, New Mexico. So everybody, if you talked about a UFO crash in New Mexico, everybody just assumed at that point it was Aztec. And it, it, it may well have been information that had filtered out uh, about a UFO crash that came from, from the Roswell event. So I, I, I think that's how that thing sort of evolved. But that's kind of a thing that's not a new 
proposition has been something that's been floated around for a long time in the UFO community, that, that Aztec was really the cover for, um, for, for Roswell. And I think Barney Barnett's tale, which I know in Bill Moore's book, The Roswell Incident, was important to at least bringing alien creatures into the Roswell case, when Carl Flock and I had done some research on this, we came to the conclusion that Barnett was not talking about Roswell. The event he was talking about was sometime post-Roswell, and probably after Scully's book was mentioned. Scully's book, uh, or in fact, that information about the Aztec crash, I think, appeared in Time magazine in January 9, 1950. Uh, if that's wrong, Scott, I'm sure can correct me. So I, think, it, I think it was the True magazine article you're talking about. There was a Time Magazine article that came out in 1950. Uh, it was a column, column and a half in, in, I think it was Time in January 9th, 1950, talking about this prior mm-hmm. to uh, the book being published. We have Kevin Randall and Scott Ramsey with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com what does freedom mean to you? How about the freedom to take control of your own future? At eFoods Direct, we're again celebrating Food Freedom Month in July for every $329 you spend on our highly nutritious, great-tasting food, you will receive a $190 Patriot Pack free. For example, purchase a six-month supply and get three Patriot Packs free. The Patriot Pack is a 24-day supply of eFoods quick-fix, easy-to-store food plus stove, fuel, and cook pot, all in an easy-to-carry bucket. Patriot Packs are the ideal grab-and-go emergency kit for your car or to have by the back door. Perfect for your cabin or camping trip this summer. Or even simply to add more food to your supply, free. Call 800-409-5633 or go to eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex and get your free Patriot Pack with purchase. Call 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex. And remember, free shipping every day. There are those curious about Bitcoins and those using and making money with Bitcoins. What are Bitcoins? A Bitcoin is the first decentralized currency that can be easily transferred from person to person over the Internet. No bank needed. This means lower fees and accounts can never be frozen, limited, or closed. You are in control of your money. And the best part? 
you can start earning and making money with bitcoins right away. No computer or expertise is required to earn money with bitcoins, and a growing number of merchants now accept bitcoins. Plus, they're easily exchanged for dollars, euros, and more. Learn more about the easiest, cheapest, most profitable way to enter the Bitcoin market and get paid every two weeks by one of the fastest growing Bitcoin miners in the world at cloudhashing.com. Just like it sounds, cloudhashing.com. That's cloudhashing.com. We mine your business. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all-natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. So in our previous segment, Kevin Randall refers to an article from Time Magazine. My, my, point, my point was simply that there was a lot of information about this event sort of percolating through the society in, in 1950. And so that Carl and I came to the conclusion that, that Barnett was not talking about Roswell. He was talking about something that was, was later. And that because of the national interest in the uh, events there in, in Aztec from the Time Magazine, for example... It was possible that he had kind of glommed on to that, that report. The idea that Aztec is a cover for Roswell has been floated for 30 years. And it, uh, well, what about that other hint uh, in the Reynolds uh, piece at, I think, UFO Iconoclast a couple of months ago, where, where he alludes to recently uncovered photographs? What do you know about that? I think you need to ask Rich Reynolds what he knows about that. <laughs> Wasn't that one of... Tony Bergalia that made that claim to Rich? Mm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. I believe I believe it was my good friend, and I and I, I mean that sincerely, uh, Nick Redfern, who talked about those photographs to Rich Reynolds. No, oh, interesting. Well, we'll have to ask Nick about that the next time he has a book out, which will probably be in a couple of weeks. Tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> the guys amazing. By the way, if you're going to mention Rich Reynolds' UFO iconoclast, can't you re- mention uh, Kevin Randall's uh, different perspective? I mean, gee whiz, guys. Well, of course. I'm of right course. here. I'm right here on the show, and and everybody's getting publicity, but me. So I just thought, well, Kevin. Yeah, I, of course, every, every all our longtime <laughs> listeners know about the different perspective. I'm I'm sure. But, uh, you know, you can also self-promote as well. We're here actually doing a debate, and some sort of a debate, kind of a loose, uh, informal debate here. But, Scott, what, what do you have to say uh, to that, that these revelations uh, that Kevin is alluding to were glommed onto uh, as a result of the 
of the scully the scully con uh, context and and the resulting articles that came out may have alluded to that and where do you come down with aztec being a plausible deniable roswell no i i think aztec was its own separate event approximately eight months after roswell or whatever whatever happened in both locations were completely separate events i just can't i can't believe and Kevin mentioned before the, the sheriff of Aztec didn't believe it, uh, and neither did the editor of the paper. I'd like to see documentation on that, too, Kevin, because I, Warren and I have some things we've never released about what Boer said. And one of the sheriffs, and in that time frame, you had four guys that, that rotated the sheriff's position. Don Brown is still alive, or at least a few months ago he was still alive. The Sullivans have since passed. Um, I don't know if I would take that comment. The sheriffs didn't believe a flying saucer went down in Hart Canyon. That comes down. That comes from Carl Lorenzen in her uh, April bulletin. Yes. Also comes from Mike McClellan in his UFO crash at Aztec. The UFO crash in Aztec in 1948 is a hoax, or however mm-hmm. he, that long involved t- title of his. And it, it, it seems that uh, McClellan did talk to both the newspaper editor and the uh, two of the, the sheriffs uh, about that. So She did? With that information. Cora Lorenzen? Yes, she did. And, and she talked to Danny Sullivan, and she talked to him on a Friday night, and she was not in Aztec, but the Sullivans lived south of Aztec anyway. It's Sullivan Road, the Sullivan Ranch is still there. He told her exactly that he was not the sheriff at the time and was not comfortable about talking about it. She took that as nothing happened. And I believe her husband was with her on that trip. That would be Jim Lorenzen. Yeah. The um, the, the, the Sullivan family does not have any recall of the Sullivans telling her flat out that, that nothing happened. Danny Sullivan said, I was not the sheriff. And I don't feel comfortable about talking about it because I wasn't the sheriff. Which yeah, could be the, construed that he wasn't the sheriff, so he's not comfortable talking about it, not that uh, any, something happened. That's correct. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying the Lorenzans did interview these people, and that was the response they got. Well, um, but that's not quite the response they got. And I, I think that's a road trip where we can sit what, down with the Sullivans and talk to them. That's what, uh, that's what Carl Lorenzen reported. I, under, I know what she reported. Um, I'm questioning whether what she reported and whether the family agrees with it. And, well, and like I said, Don Brown's still alive. Well, going back a few months ago, he was still alive. Um, wow, he must be getting up there. Yeah, he is. I don't want to say anything negative about the credibility of Jim and Carl Lorenzen. I assume they were both credible and honest, although I did have my run-ins with Mrs. Lorenzen over the years, for very silly reasons. <laughs> and and can, I guess, can I guess what those run-ins were about? <laughs> Feel free. Hey, what do you think they the were Apple about? Files. I know who has them sitting there Don't gathering dust in a garage uh, in, yes. in some storage unit somewhere. No, guys, that wasn't what I had a run-in with her about. It was something that goes back to my teenage years, and I'll leave it at that right now. Go ahead. Oh, you were a teenager at one point. Yes, some people don't believe that. (laughs) Some people fervently say that Gene was never a teenager. Gene is really some kind of entity from another planet. And, you know, I may plead guilty, but then people will start rumors on Twitter. But when it comes to the Aprofiles, there are some real gems in there. And, I, man, I'm going to make it my life's mission to get them to 
give me the combination on the lock and the storage unit. I know exactly who has it, and it's really been irking me for a while. There's a lot of good stuff in there, including the investigation that uh, Kevin is talking about. Can I add something from that same time frame of the Sullivans and Don Brown and the, the sheriffs and George Bower from the, the Aztec Independent? Just a few years back, Hank Knowlton passed away, and Hank was, and the family, the Knowlton family still is, the, one of the big pillars of the community. And Hank contacted me in the mid, mid-2000s mid and said, boy, you know, I really got a problem with the Aztec story because I owned part of the crash site in 48 when that happened. He said, I'm not saying nothing happened out there. That story's been floating for years, but it didn't happen in March of 48 because I owned the land back then. Well, when an Olton says that, you listen, because, they're, they're, like I said, they're the pillar of the community. Long story short, next trip out, Suzanne and I pulled the real estate records, and he had told us he bought it from uh, High Dunning, H.D. Dunning, that owned the ranch right next to it. Between the two of them, they, they almost owned the entire crash site except for a sliver of BLM land. And Suzanne and I went and pulled the, the deeds, and sure enough, uh, Hank Knowlton did own it, but not until May seventeenth, 1953, five years later. And I presented that to Hank, and he said, well, okay, let me think about that. And, you know, family members got involved and said, yeah, you're right. When you start talking to people, and I know, Kevin, you've experienced this with Roswell, 60-some years, 50-some years, and let's look at our own selves, what we can and can't remember. It, it gets very, it's easy for somebody to say, yes, they remember it, or no, they don't remember it, and and that's why we have to rely on rent receipts and utility records and, and property transfers, because my memory's no better than anybody else's either. But that, that all was in that same time frame back then. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, it's important to write everything down. Uh, I've been saying that like a broken record for years on this show. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, you know, where where do we take it from there? I mean, where do we take this from here, Scott? How What do you have on your burner, front burner, that's going to lead you to that smoking gun information? Do you think there's enough time? Do you think there's the, a smoking gun person still alive? I mean, what what's your thinking right now? We well, have 30 we, we, seconds before I have to do the break, guys, so just okay. keep the beginning of the answer short, Scott, and we'll continue in the next segment. Go ahead, please. Sure. We're, co- we're constantly following new leads uh, since the book came out, and since Suzanne and I spent two weeks out there in March, we got some very good leads. But I think I have a question about that, which would be how, 65 years later, can you get any more leads about this case Shouldn't the trail be pretty cold by now? The book is The Aztec Incident, by the way. And we have one of the authors, Scott Ramsey, with us, who's done this for many years to bring that book together. Kevin Randall joining us on the skeptic side of this particular discussion. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Raising your own chickens for food is great, but how will you get them ready for the dinner table? Do it the fast and easy way with a power plucker from powerplucker.com. The power plucker is a simple attachment that works with a power drill and removes feathers in a flash. Whether you're a homesteader or a bird hunter, you'll save time and money, and we guarantee you'll love it. Order right now at powerplucker.com and receive free shipping. Powerplucker.com, the only drill-powered poultry plucker. When you need it the most, will your generator, power equipment, or vehicle be ready? Gas and diesel fuels go bad quickly when stored, and more than half of generator failures during disasters occur as a result of expired fuel. PRI fuel stabilizers keep your fuel fresh for when you need it most. Nuclear power stations, emergency service providers, and ships at sea rely on PRI fuel stabilizers. And you can too. Call 888-776-9373 or visit PRIproducts.com to find the dealer nearest you. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months. 
simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. On the Paracast with Gene and Chris, the great debate with Kevin Randall and Scott Ramsey on the Aztec New Mexico UFO crash of 1948. So the question on the table, Scott Ramsey, is you're still studying this, but we're talking about the problem that I'm sure Kevin and his crew have with Roswell, and that is we're talking about something 65 years old. How do we get more evidence? It's a huge problem. It's a, you know, it was a huge problem in the late 80s. You know, I was only 40 years away from you know the alleged date. Uh, Suzanne and I, well, after I saw Eugene in Phoenix, I, I met Suzanne up in the Four Corners. We were up there, did two book signings, two lectures, not expecting it, but we got some solid leads, uh, very solid leads. Uh, one was a, a ranch, a retired ranch hand that worked for one of the ranchers, and he came forward and, and told us things that we never put in the book because we were waiting for somebody like him to come forward. Is it a smoking gun? No, it's not a smoking gun. It's, it's more circumstantial evidence, which most of these UFO cases, flying case, saucer cases are. I got a call from a gentleman that was with the Atomic Energy Commission and uh, retired and told of an incident. Now, he can't confirm whether it was 48 or 49, but he was there from 48, 49, and 50 before he was moved down to Kirkland and, and was ran security at the Sandia. Uh, there's always good leads coming out, but you gotta, you got to separate the ones that are going to consume a lot of time and money and what are you going to yield, but you still have to collect them and you still have to, to look at each one. So I, I don't know. Uh, your, your, your chance of getting a first-hand witness like Doug Nolan or Ken Farley are few and far between. The, we're racing the clock, and so that makes it very difficult. Yeah, and the same holds holds true for Roswell, as I'm sure Kevin oh, can attest. Yeah, I mean, I was a young kid when Kecksburg happened, li- living in Pittsburgh. Stayed up late to watch everything on the news. That was my first introduction and interest in whatever the phenomenon is. And I know what Stan Gordon goes through to this day, trying to find people that, you know. <laughs> Stan is an unsung funny. hero, boy. Well, it's, it's like trying to be a homicide detective and solving a murder case in L.A. when you're living in New York. You know, it's difficult. Yeah. And add 40, 50, 60 years to it, it makes it all the more difficult. Well, that raises a serious question before we get on to the other issues, <laughs> Scott. And that is, at what point do we say this is the cold case that we're never going to solve and move on. Can we just keep hoping that more evidence will come and that maybe one of those pieces of evidence will be so solid that nobody, not even Kevin Randall or anyone else skeptical of this case, hey, hey, can hey. dispute it? Let's let's not let's be careful on banding my name about here. Okay. <laughs> you know, so skeptical that even Kevin Randall would agree. I mean, well, you're very skeptical of this case. Absolutely, but this one specific case, and I, don't, I just don't like being cast in the role of the skeptic. Uh, you know, we're not trying that. to paint you with a broad brush, my friend. <laughs> we're just I, trying I to put you in the position. Conversations myself, but that's, pardon me. I said I would welcome being called a skeptic in, in a lot of conversations uh, in this topic, but, but but in this particular case, I mean, this is this is a very 
You know, I always thought when I first heard about Aztec, I, I always heard that, you know, we really can't tell if this was real or a hoax. And I, for years, I, I didn't really pay attention to it until Scott's work. And then all of a sudden, it, it seems like, you know, this thing grew legs. And there, there is some, some pretty interesting circumstantial evidence that does support something happened there. I have a question from Burnt State, which uh, basically geared for New Mexico. And he asks, of the three most interesting early New Mexico events, so the Roswell crash, the Aztec crash, and the Farmington Armada, which I've always thought is a, an important case, which do you feel is the most compelling case that has the most verifiable evidence and reliable witnesses in both your opinions? Uh, Kevin, you want to start this one? I will confess that I am not completely conversant in the Farmington case. I know it was a big armada that was seen in, what, 1950? And I say that just to prove that I at least know something about it. Mm-hmm. But, but I think that was mainly just an observation by people on the ground. I mean, lots of people on the ground, but, but, but mainly an observation. So you, you move that to a side because uh, it was simply what people saw. Yeah, it was saw. a simple flyover, and you just have witnesses. Yeah paper accounts, uh, there's law enforcement reports, there's all sorts of interesting uh, documentation about it. But again, it's it's like trying to document a mosquito bite, you know, a a mosquito flying by versus a bite, you know, if it flies by, it was mentioned in the newspapers at the time and all of that sort of thing. Right. So you come down on Roswell as being the, the most interesting early New Mexico event then? I, th- I think so, simply because of the number of witnesses and the documentation that we've been able to uncover. Uh, right. there, it clearly was reported in the newspapers. It was clearly debunked in the newspapers. There's uh, FBI documents from that specific day. There's other documentation uh, circulating that, that talks about that. And we have some very high-level witnesses, uh, including general officers who have talked about, about that, a uh, number of general officers, number of full colonels, a uh, number of lieutenant colonels who don't impress me much anymore because lieutenant colonels are just lieutenant colonels, uh, but I mean a lot of uh, high-ranking people who, who document it. Um, we were able to find the witnesses, a lot of the witnesses based on the yearbook that was published by Walter Hott. So we have some very, very compelling, very good documentation. So if I was to rank the three cases, it would be, of course, Roswell 1, Farmington 2, and Aztec 3, which I'm sure Scott won't agree with, but that's the way I'd rank them. Well, no, I, I think they're all they're all important, Kevin. I, I really do. I uh, the couple years back, Suzanne and I weren't involved in the Aztec Symposium the last four or five years. It went a different direction, but... But prior to that, one year we invited the people listed on the front page of the Farmington Daily Times to attend, and uh, kind of a class reunion, not a class reunion, but a, a armada reunion. It was everybody that was listed in the article that was quoted, with the only exception of Andy Andrews, the highway patrolman. He had since passed. It was interesting listening to these people retell the story and comparing it with the front page. I have the original cut sheet that was typed and then put in the little tube that was shot upstairs to the second, third, third floor at the Daily Times where then they made that the headline. And it's, uh, it was over 2,500 people saw these objects. That's a lot of people. That's according yeah. to the Daily Times, by the way. And, and you get no argument from me. Yeah. It was March Interesting. 17th. Maybe it was a, a really late arriving search party. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I don't think, but I, 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 the, the, you, the level of flying saucer or whatever, unidentified flying phenomena, 
is still huge and prevalent to this day. The emails I get, San Juan County oh, Sheriff's yeah. Department, highway. All the way over to the San Luis Valley, all exactly. the way over to Lake And I'm Powell, not, you know, we, we have a Navajo joke here. Res. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have a joke here. It's not the town drunk sending these to me. These are, you know, incompetence, you know, the San Juan Police Department, Aztec Police Department, uh, members well, of I, Los Alamos. You know, both you guys, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the concept that some sort of civilization with exalted, you know, exotic technology could have that technology to get them all the way light years to here and then crash. To me, it sounds like a Monty Python screenplay or something. It, it, there's just something about that that I, I have never been able to reconcile. But you ever think, though, Chris, that even on these other planets, these other civilizations, these other star systems, that they don't have competitive bidding to build spaceships? <laughs> And maybe one of those companies, you know, like the Ferengi in Star Trek, Gene, you know, they made such a deal. Bad jokes. <laughs> they made a deal. Yeah, with the Ferengi. and you know the thing didn't hold up under you know a couple of interstellar trips. It's radar. gone. Radar brought it down. I, I just it was lightning. Oh right. Well, of I was course. I was going to say I was going to say it was it was built by the lowest bidder, which mm-hmm. same difference. But the, but the other thing is if. We, we assume that even though they have a superior technology to ours, they still make mistakes, and the craft are still flown by beings that are not perfect. Ergo, they make mistakes. So somebody pushed the wrong button, or you have a cascade of events that one little thing didn't happen to bring it down, but it was a yeah. That's that's true. Of- I mean, that's the assumption. We have to suspend our disbelief and go in that direction. Definitely. And and it, it's you know obviously in the realm of possibility, but I've just never been able to reconcile that to myself. I mean, it's like the ultimate Homer Simpson moment, you know, to come all the way those the long distances, you know, light years and light years, hundreds, potentially hundreds of light years, and and like well, get a not flat fire. Hundreds of light years. We, we well, don't know we where don't. they come from. And we don't know where they come from. I, I don't think they come from out there, actually. I think they're already here. But, uh, you know, I, that's, I just, that's, I, just, that's something that's been very difficult for me to, you know, when it comes to the subject of crashed UFOs, it's like studying an ant farm and accidentally stubbing your face at the bottom of the, of the you know, the ant farm. Uh, it, 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 there's just something about it. I, I don't know. Gene, help me out here. <laughs> we need to, first of all, help out our sponsors, and then we'll figure that out. We've got Kevin Randall and Scott Ramsey with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com.
We the people grow cotton, we fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. How's your pH today? Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? What is the pH of the water you drink? We are AlkaVision, and we have the answers. Drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline, high-pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615, 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Gene and Chris in the Paracast, we have Kevin Randall and Scott Ramsey ostensibly to debate the Aztec case, but we're getting into more complicated subjects here, like... Do UFOs come from here? Do they come from the dimensional portal? Look, scientists are already starting to figure they might be able to swing some kind of warp drive, Chris. I did see uh, the headline on that. I need to read the article. That'll be a good one for forum.theparacast.com, your first stop shop for all cool cutting-edge articles and comments about you know breaking topics and old cases. All right, let's get back to this discussion about Aztec, but let's get a progress report first, okay? Kevin Randall, listening to Scott Ramsey for the first two-thirds of the show. Anything he say sway you at all, change your mind, correct any assumptions you had about the Aztec case? The, the problem remains the same that we've always had. I'm just not thrilled with uh, some of the witnesses, such as Doug Noland or Ken Farley, uh, you know, I need to see more information about that. I'm always willing to look at, at information like that. And, and, Scott, you're under no obligation to <laughs> share it with me uh, for any reason whatsoever. But it just seems that, that the whole case hinges on a very, very tenuous thread. And uh, you know, we need to see something that is pre-Scully to kind of drive us forward, and, and we really don't have that. We have people who came forward after Scully, Lots of people came forward after Scully's uh, book came out and talked about this, but we re- really don't have the the good stuff, and we haven't we haven't really talked about um, uh, the one fellow from uh, Aztec who who contacted me uh, and, or posted a, a bunch of stuff about the uh, Monty Shriver. Yes, I was going to say post a bunch of stuff about Aztec is what I was groping for, but yes, good old Monty Shriver. What about him? Explain this to our listeners, because we are playing a little bit of inside baseball here. Well, Monty Shriver is a great guy. He works down uh, the same 
Well, he's retired now. He worked down at the University of New Mexico in uh, Las Cruces. And Monty's from the Aztec area. He wrote a 17-page rebuttal to our book. And in his case, where I kind of get on you guys for not reading the book in detail, Monty did read the book in detail and cites page number, paragraph number, and things that are said. And I'm just about three-quarters of the way done responding to his 17-page with my 22-page. might be 25 when I'm done. He brings up good points, but he's more picking on the details of the book, where I call Mount Taylor. It's really Taylor Mountain. Again, I'm citing, and that's the same part where Manuel Sandoval is. I'm interviewing, Suzanne and I are interviewing uh, Johnny Hernandez. I should have put it in quotes to show that it was Johnny telling me Mount Taylor instead of Taylor Mountain. But, you know, to Monty's point on those type of things, he's right, I'm wrong. Scott, let me interject here that, that mm-hmm. when I was reading his rebuttal to your book, I thought some of the same things, that a lot, some of this stuff is very trivial and unimportant to the right. discussion of a case. And that was one of the things that struck me. It, it, it really is, is irrelevant to trying to figure out whether or not uh, Aztec was real. So I, I agree with you on that point. Yeah. And, he, you know, he brought up a point. He said, well, you know, I, I'm talking and moving the craft, the section of the book. Suzanne and I went out and did the reenactment with Bill Metzger. And all that was based on the museum saying, you know, hey, how'd they get that out of there? And I said, well, we've been asking ourselves that question for a long time. And so we, we did research, thank you, Aztec Pioneer Museum, and came up with the fact that highway today, it's 550 back Years before, it was 440. In 48, it wasn't complete. And it was actually built to get people down to Chaco Canyon because, you know, they were uncovering the, the, uh, the uh, structures down there. Monty came back and said, no, that's not true. That road 44 was complete in 48. You know, my response to that to Monty is, thanks, you just made our life a lot easier. Moving it down 44 would be a cakewalk. But Thanks to the Bureau of Land Management just sending us new maps, Monty is off a year. That road was not complete in 48. It's, it's like Kevin said, it's kind of trivial stuff back and forth, but I, I appreciated it because, it, you know, it, it, for the, the next reprint, he showed me some spelling errors too, so I, I appreciate that. Well, uh, one of the things that's always intrigued me uh, about the case is the apparent uh, infrastructure that was left behind, the concrete pad, um, the physical evidence, obviously, in these cases, or potential physical evidence, is really important in my book. And, Scott, why don't you talk a little bit for our pe- folks out there that aren't up to speed on some of the, again, the details of, of this particular case. Tell us about the uh, infrastructure and claims have, that have been made about it. Well, one is the, the concrete slab, which I, I, I find it intriguing. It's there. It's, again, it's not a smoking gun to anything. It has no place there. The gentleman, George, that we refer to in the book, who was never at the crash site, by the way. He never left Walker. Uh, he said he coordinated a recovery effort, and basically his job was to worry about personnel files and who was at the crash site. But he did tell us, we interviewed him, to be cognizant of a concrete footer. He didn't use the word slab. I know Steinman had mentioned it. We had never been able to find it. Randy Barnes, a local gentleman that used to live in Aztec, went out there with rebar and poked through the silt until he found it. It was approximately uh, the same dimensions that Steinman uh, talked about. We took samples of the concrete slab, sent them to a concrete lab, 
unless we have $25,000 to do a leach test, it, dating it earlier than 48 or very much later than 48 is going to be very expensive. The lab granted us so much lab time. We, we come into the point that it's about that era. And as we all know, because it was a, a concrete lab that did the test, that rebar is all date-stamped. And it is dated prior to 48, but rebar sits around in inventories for many, many years, especially during the war and after the war. So it, the concrete slab is an interesting piece of physical evidence. It's not a compressor pad. It's not a well cap like Carl Flock said. We drilled a hole through it to do a core sample. But again, you know, what the hell is it doing? You know, well, well why don't you describe why you would have a concrete pad to oh, okay. the weight of a, yeah. a crane that would be lifting a heavy object. Did you do any sort of test to find if there were metal abraded onto the concrete? Oh, yeah. It's full of, I forget, I have it in the book, 5-8, three-quarter rebar and pencil rods. So whatever it was poured for, it's nine and three-quarter inches thick. The gentleman, George, told us a delay was made when this mystery road was cut to get you out to the crash site. And a, con a concrete footer had to be poured to support one of the legs of the crane or possibly two legs of the crane. And he said, I know that delayed thing, so look for that. He was giving us a whole, he gave us all, actually a whole list of things to look for. Um, that was found. Yes, it's heavily reinforced. I forget what the lab says it would it would hold per square inch, much more than you could imagine for a compressor pad. And it's much smaller than a compressor pad. And by drilling through it, we proved it wasn't a wellhead or a well cap, nor would you have one at that uh, up on top of it, Mesa. You'd have one at the base. Uh, like I say, it's an interesting piece. I think it it deserves mention as part of the story. I don't know even with the leach test you're going to get it right at 1948. Some say yes, some say you can get it within six months. A leach test, by but, the way, but is... There's no, there's no apparent reason why something like that would be there out in the middle of BF nowhere. No, that's it, right. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, no. I, I kind of know the area, and you would really need a reason to pour yes. something like that in the location that it's found. It was poured with Portland-style concrete, and the grouting in it, meaning the, the rocks, our, our local sifted rocks where they took the silt and they, they took the little pebbles and whatnot, mixed that with the concrete to pour it. It does look like whatever it was done for, it was done in a hurry. And it was yeah. done for a tremendous amount of weight. So no records from local uh, cement uh, companies, uh, any of the, uh, you know, the, the, the people that would pour concrete at the time. There's no mention of records or any sort of documentation about who actually may have been hired locally. Obviously, the, the Army may have come in and done it itself, but if not, somebody local must have uh, somehow gotten a, a truck out there or a mixer and, and poured the thing, right? We're going to pour some commercials on you right now, folks. Not there concrete, but we're going with to give you some special report. announcements. With Scott Ramsey, Kevin Randall, Gene, and Chris, you're in the Paracast. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the Earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, 
special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at 11 trillion gold, trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded 16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The 20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a printing press to finance. A hundred years ago, we had a gold standard to limit this madness, but now you have to adopt your own gold standard. Don't be fooled with paper promises. Get Midas Resources 10 Reasons to Buy Gold free by calling 800-686-2237. Understanding the gold and silver market may be the only insurance you could have to avoiding the next economic crisis. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order your free copy. Again, that's 800-686-2237. There are those curious about Bitcoins and those using and making money with Bitcoins. What are Bitcoins? A Bitcoin is the first decentralized currency that can be easily transferred from person to person over the Internet. No bank needed. This means lower fees and accounts can never be frozen, limited or closed. You are in control of your money. And the best part? You can start earning and making money with Bitcoins right away. No computer or expertise is required to earn money with Bitcoins, and a growing number of merchants now accept Bitcoins. Plus, they're easily exchanged for dollars, euros, and more. Learn more about the easiest, cheapest, most profitable way to enter the Bitcoin market and get paid every two weeks by one of the fastest-growing Bitcoin miners in the world at cloudhashing.com. Just like it sounds, cloudhashing.com. That's cloudhashing.com. We mine your business. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Okay, back to pouring that concrete. Kevin Randall, 
Scott Ramsey with Gene and Chris. Scott? You you wouldn't have needed a concrete truck out there to pour this. You would have needed sufficient water, a mixing trough, some type of screen sifter to, to sift out the local rock, mix it, put up some forms, pour it. It wouldn't have been a big deal at all. All you needed was, was a little mixer or something out there. Uh, you, you could, you you could, could even do it mix. by hand. Yeah, when, when we installed the plaque out there, we did it with you know just a trough of Portland concrete and some water and Wow, so you've put a plaque out there already. No, there's, yeah, there's been a plaque out there for a number of years. Wow. The um, the, the plaque itself, nine and three, I'm looking at the dimensions here, nine and three quarters thick. This is on BLM land. Let's keep that in mind. When we went to drill the hole, we had to go to the Bureau of Land Management. Technically, we're not allowed to go out there and walk around for commercial purposes unless you, you have a permit. People go out there and film documentaries all the time. If they get caught, they're in trouble. I've only been involved in one film company that has done that with a permit. But we had to go to the BLM and say, here's the slab. Here's a picture of it. Bill Pappage went out to the site with us from the BLM and says, we own the land. There's no reason for this to be here. If you want to drill it, have at it. We had a drilling company come in, drill the core sample. We took the sample, sent it to a lab. Technically speaking, if I wanted to lift the thing up tomorrow and throw it on the back of a flatbed or a trailer and haul it out of there, we could because the BLM says it's not ours. We have no idea why that's here. Is there any other earthly reason why it would be there other than to be used for the purpose of perhaps transporting this craft? Well, it could be there for the purpose of having something extremely heavy that has nothing to do with a flying saucer, but the key thing is it has nothing to do with a compressor pad. That is, and for your listeners, that is heavy, heavy to this day, oil and gas. You've got natural gas out there. You've got crude oil. You don't drill a hole through a mesa to get to the natural gas. You go to the bottom of the mesa down closer to the ground, and you drill your hole. Compressor pads, 60, 40, 50 feet in length. This thing is a square meter, basically 39 by 39 by 9 and 3 quarters. So it, it serves no purpose. Wow, that, that's small. I, I was under the impression it was larger. No, no, it, it almost, it's a, it's a square meter. It's almost uh, there to support some type of crane. Believe me, we've gone through the, uh, the Bureau of uh, Land Management, even the Bureau of Reclamation, which had some rights just north of there, uh, which is more your, your power and utilities. Nobody can explain it. The El Paso oil workers, nobody. Williams Oil Company, no. Uh, Dugan Oil Company, no. Chamberlain, uh, no. Nobody can make claim to it or explain why it's out there. And, and how were you made aware of this? When did this actual piece of potential physical evidence surface in, in, in the story, in the investigation? In our interview with George, I said, we don't even know if we're at the right site. And he gave us a couple of things. And he mentioned the cut-in road. I said, well, yeah, the funny thing, we're at an area that there is a road that's cut. By the way, that doesn't appear unless they just added it to any Bureau uh, of Land Management maps, which they, uh, they update them every couple of years. And we've been to the site with the BLM, and this slab is at the, the figure kind of like a little cul-de-sac as, where somebody has cut a road into a mesa. This is right. at the, the end of the cul-de-sac where it looked like it was supporting something. So you knew about the actual location or the site before you were given the information to go look for this little pad, and then you were able to find it. Correct me if I'm wrong. We we thought we were at the right spot based on what locals were telling us. Right. We weren't sure. We we thought we were at the right spot. But then you got the information later about the pad, and then that confirmed it for you? 
Yep, and then Randy, or oh, a year or two later, confirmed that Steinman was talking about his lab. Steinman's actually got a little map drawn in his in his uh, book, uh, UFO Crash at Aztec, and uh, that they all matched up pretty good. So, what do you think of that, Kevin? Does that um, is that like a a point in the positive side of the column here? Uh, at, at this point, not really. Uh, no. So, what else could a pad like there. that have been used for? Why would somebody go to the to the bother of putting a, a meter square, nine inch thick pad on top of a mesa in BF nowhere, uh, northeastern New Mexico? I have no clue. I mean, that's really not a fair question, but but <laughs> well, it, it is to me. I've been out, you know, in areas like that, and to have a excuse a, me, a, I'm a, supposed to come up with why somebody pulled poured a pad of concrete in some well, I don't area know. I mean, I. I I'm racking my brain trying to come up with some rationale to do that, and I, I, I'm coming up blank. So I was hoping and, you were going to help me. No, I'm not. <laughs> I, can't, I can't help you on that one. All I was gonna okay, say well, was, I, I was think that's say, pretty cool myself. I think physical evidence uh, that's gained it's after physical, it, Right now, it's all, it's all you have is a concrete pad. True. Scott himself said that the rebar is dated prior to 1948. Scott also said that these things lay around, so the fact that the tree bar is dated part of 1948 may not be relevant. I'm thinking we need to wait for, and I understand the, the monetary problem with the test, but we need to wait for the test before we draw any conclusions. And that, that can narrow it down to within six months. Six and, months, wow. That's testing the, con the actual concrete. Mm -hmm. Or the aggregate within the concrete. No, that's doing that. It's actually, it's uh, it, it, you're, bomb it, it's you're not, bombarding it's, the uh, the actual Portland concrete. And okay. The aggregate's millions of years old, that. so we we can't we can't age that. But I was going to say the it, it's kind of like the the question of the alien autopsy film, <laughs> where they had a, a the coating from Kodak, and it, the coating from Kodak was 1947, but Kodak re cycled the coating every 20 years, so the film could have been from 1927. And the people with the alien autopsy film never allowed the film to be tested by Kodak to determine, because they could determine pretty much when it had been developed, and that would be a critical thing to know. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and if it dated from 1947, well, that's a very nice piece of evidence, but without that dating, merely the code being there doesn't prove that the film was exposed in 1947, only that uh, it, the coding was for the right year. So all I'm saying is on, on this, it's an interesting piece of, of evidence, but right now we can draw no conclusion from it. Right. Well, back back to the original uh, question that Gene posed uh, for you, Scott. What, you know, what else uh, has come up after the book, and, and what other leads are you chasing down right now? Uh, an interesting one that uh, I'm talking to a gentleman. He's very, very sharp in his mind that I guess the body's starting to go. He lives down in Bullhead City. The gentleman that worked at uh, Los Alamos, uh, we kind of got sidetracked on that. Either in 48 or 49, late winter, we can't at this point nail it down to what date, although he gave me a lead that we could look at the uh, get real close to the date. Uh, they were on... Uh, Standard Patrol at Los Alamos. This is the time that uh, the green orbs, for a lack of a better word, I hate to call them that, but the green orbs are going all over Cuba, New Mexico, Los Alamos, uh, as far green as fireballs. The, yeah, green yeah fireballs. the green fireballs. And, you know, they, even Teller is brought into the loop on that. The Atomic Energy Commission uh, notes on those are, are kind of interesting. 
Uh, this gentleman says, yeah, we had the green fireballs, but then one night we had at the main gate a huge UFO sighting. Let's proceed with that as we progress to our final two segments. Mm-hmm. The book is The Aztec Incident, Pro and Con with Scott Ramsey and Kevin Randall with Gene and Chris in The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Tees. Renovate your health one bag at a time. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Utopia Silver understands that mainstream medicine and the rising cost of health care can financially destroy any family We simply cannot afford to get sick. 
The only option is to stay healthy. Americans are learning that ill health is not caused by a deficiency of drugs. It's usually the result of a deficiency of minerals, vitamins, proper nutrition, and exercise. Utopiasilver.com offers colloidal silver and healing protocols for vaccine and radiation poisoning, arthritis, insomnia, and more. If you're sick of unconstitutional government mandates, then stand up now and say no. The time is growing short to put this evil genie back in its bottle. Join Utopia Silver in promoting good health and fighting for our God-given health care rights. Visit utopiasilver.com, U-T-O-P-I-A-Silver.com, or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. With Gene and Chris in the Paracast, we're, as they say, winding down, but a lot to discuss. And I think when we mentioned before that when it comes to the Aztec incident, perhaps a show of this nature would have to be doubled in size to get to all the nooks and the crannies and the minute details that still need to be unearthed. I think it would take more than that, actually. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot here. Kevin, what was the name of the project that uh, was formed by the military? Moonbeam? No, Twinkle. Twinkle, Twinkle, that's right. The the green fireballs. Right, yeah. So there were some really cool sightings of those, uh, as Scott pointed out, in the Cuba area. And I think uh, the most famous one, wasn't it like some stadium in Santa Fe? Everybody in the stadium saw there one were, of these there things? There were any number of spectacular. Yeah, there was one there. There were thousands of people that witnessed it, though. And so anyway, Scott, you have your, your guy that's working down, you think, in the area uh, down in Los Alamos around the time frame, uh, 48, 49, continue. Yeah, we don't know for sure if it's 48 or 49. He did give us some good information. We can pull up and, and archive the, what he's about, what he told us when I'm about to tell you. They're summoned to the main gate of Los Alamos, which is the Santa Fe side. When you come up the front, there's this huge, as he describes, uh, flying saucer. It, it overhangs so many feet of each side of the road. It's only 50 feet off the ground, multiple stories tall. And he's telling me the story. And like I say, he's a very sharp mind, and I think Robert Hastings is going to interview him here shortly. And he, uh, we are allowed to release his name. I'm waiting for a few more documents, but he, he's given us the go-ahead to do that. And he said that all of a sudden the Army half-tracks and everything showed up to, to possibly shoot it down. And I said, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. Los Alamos never had armament. He said, what makes you say that? And I said, I've already researched that to see if the Aztec situation was something that was shot down, whether it be a flying saucer, Soviet bomber, whatever. And he said, oh, they're still talking that story about Los Alamos didn't have any armament. And I said, well, you're a national lab, not a military outpost. He said there there was military equipment there the entire time he was there. Now, Los Alamos is a customer of mine. I do see them when I go out to the Four Corners. I have checked. Yes, they did have, to his point, half-tracks, military half-tracks with armament on them back in the late 40s and early 50s. They weren't supposed to, but they had them. And what happened was they were worried that this object was going to do something. It stayed around a few minutes, shot off, and was never seen again. But it was interesting for him to confirm 
I didn't care that much about the sighting, the fact that they had military equipment at Los Alamos in that time frame. What was the armament? half tracks. No, no, that's not armament. That's a vehicle. What was the armament? What did they? Oh, they, they was some system? some type of I forget what uh, millimeter canyon. He told me I don't have my his notes in front of me, but you know definitely something that could shoot at an object. Were brought up to the front gate. Well, Kevin, uh, back during that time frame, what were half tracks normally armored with? A fifty cal, maybe a. That's what I was thinking. It would be a, 50 a twenty cal. millimeter cannon, possibly, mm-hmm. but. I would expect I would expect if it was a half track it would probably have nothing bigger than a 50 cal in it probably mm-hmm. maybe just a 30 caliber machine gun I don't know that's why I ask cuz I know flying helicopters a 50 caliber machine gun was was quite a frightening thing but sure. um, uh, but if you're if you're in if you're in a an armored vehicle, a 50 caliber machine gun isn't isn't quite that frightening. So I, I was just curious as to what the armament was, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if, if they had things with uh, at least uh, 30 caliber. Yeah, if they didn't, boy, they they were dropping the ball. My goodness. Well, just the fact that the, technically, if you go back in history, they weren't supposed to have any military support at all. But what even made it even more ironic, uh, when he got the book, then he called me back and he said, you know, it's funny, these radar bases, the Alvada radar base, uh, it, it had a call sign of Los Alamos. I said, yeah, the first uh, two years it was Los Alamos radar base. He said, here, you're shocked that you're finding out we had offensive and defensive equipment here at Los Alamos, and I'm shocked because we didn't know about the radar base. So that's that's how secret yeah, these, it, it these operations like were back. Dollars at work and play, boy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that shows the level of secrecy that was going on to protect Los Alamos and the post Manhattan Project. But it doesn't necessarily prove that the Aztec case occurred. No, but it also gave it now shows, and we're not done with the research. I'm not going to, based on one statement, uh, take that to the bank. But I mean, he's a credible guy. But we have to do more research. It shows that they had the potential of shooting something down. Yeah, okay, arguably. But what other leads are you working on? Uh, that that sounds like a really uh, potentially fruitful avenue to go down. But what other uh, leads are you tracking up? The statements made by the ranchers that Suzanne and I met out at the book signing. That, that, that's got my plate pretty full right now. Care to elaborate just a little bit? Give us, give us a teaser. Earlier. Pardon? Give us a teaser. Okay, well, we talked about it. We were doing our our, uh, our lecture and our book signing, and we were approached by, uh, when I say rancher, I really mean ranch hand, that uh, filled in some blanks on one of the ranchers that we purposely left out of the book because there had been claims made over the years, but they we could never find anything either way. And he is starting to fill in the blanks with some things he's telling us. Right. You did mention that earlier. And that could be, you know, potentially a fruitful avenue to go down. Kevin, what are some of the things that you would suggest to Scott that could possibly aid him in his process of really confirming this case? I don't think there's anything I can really tell him that he hasn't thought of. Uh, What he needs is... Well, more minds are better than one, Kevin. As I was going to say... He needs to find some documentation from 1948 that predates Scully that suggests the events took place there. He needs to. Uh, you, you've, you've got some people I, in your book, for example. You've got um, uh, uh, Bass, Sam, Samuel Bass, mm-hmm. who supposedly confirmed to, and I forget who he confirmed it to. Virgil Riggs. Bert, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, uh, and then he was, he went off and got killed in Vietnam by a um, 
hit, in a hit and run accident. Mm-hmm. But there's no evidence that 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 happened. Well, there's, your argument is there's no evidence because he doesn't appear on the the Vietnam Wall Memorial. No, I, I my my argument is there there are complete records of everyone who died in Vietnam, regardless of the cause. Mm-hmm. Their names there are their names appear on the wall, but there's other databases that can be researched. And there was no one by that name, by the proper name, and it wasn't Sam, as, as you well know. No, Sam was the but, nickname. That's correct. Yeah, but but he he there was no Air Force person killed in that way in Vietnam, so you need to you need to kind of look at that sort of thing and see if you can find a record to suggest that. Uh, when you get military witnesses, you need to go to St. Louis to check their records to make sure that they are who they say they are and they did what they say they did, and they had the training they claim to have had. Because well, we at run the very into least, this, having a DD-214, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to verify those, because I can't tell you how many fake ones I've seen now. Uh, Frank Kaufman had all the documents you could care care to, see to prove that he was who he said he was but when we went to st louis we found out that he had altered the documents so even though you've got a dd form 214 you've got to go to st louis to make sure that they haven't haven't um, doctored it uh robert willingham did the same thing clearly doctored documents and forms and when we went to st louis we discovered he hadn't been a full colonel in the air force he had been an e4 a low-ranking enlisted man in the army at the very end of world war ii so you've got to look at all of those sorts of things as you do to, to verify that. You've got to make sure that people were there uh, and had a reason for being there when they claimed to be there. We found people who claimed to have been in Roswell, and when we confronted them with the evidence they were not, and then we find out their story was was bogus. So, I mean, you've got to verify all those sorts of facts. Oh, and we do. Jim, uh, yeah, yes, I can't I wait for George. He asked, he asked me what I would suggest. Yeah, I must say. Right. Folks, we're almost there, almost wrapped up with this segment of the PowerCast. The book is called The Aztec Incident, and we have Kevin Randall talking to Scott Ramsey, Kevin being the skeptic in terms of the possibility of an Aztec crash, Scott Ramsey giving us the case for it happening. More to come with Gene and Chris. You're in The PowerCast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. You are now considered a terrorist. 
It doesn't matter if you have served your country dutifully. The federal government, the IRS, and the NSA are targeting Americans just like you. Because of your beliefs and because of big government's corrupt policies, you are a threat and fall into the same category as a terrorist. Now they are monitoring everything you do online. You are at risk unless you know how to disappear forever. Go to privacyradio.com now to protect yourself. That's privacyradio.com. You know about RVs, you've heard about bunkers, but surviving is not recreation. And man wasn't made to live underground. Introducing Survivalist Camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid survival bug-out house that's mobile, well-equipped, and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Go to survivalistcamps.com to learn more. That's survivalistcamps.com, providing your basic needs to survive. Survivalistcamps.com. Wouldn't it be nice to have one product that replaces more than 10, saving you space, time, and money? HempUSA.org has a complete full-spectrum vitamin mineral detox formulation called MicroPlant Powder Gold. MicroPlant Powder Gold contains 101 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and iodine, has a 100-year shelf life, and is a perfect addition to any storage shelter. Make MicroPlant Powder Gold your choice. Call 888-910-4367 or visit HempUSA.org today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Order today at 888-910-4367 or visit HempUSA.org. Hello, it's Tom Chenault from The Tom Chenault Show. We are experts in home-based business and residual income. We show people how to make money from their home, either part-time or full-time. And in partnership with Genesis Communication Network, we've organized a team to fight back about people not having money, time, or health. And we need your help. What we want you to do is if you've got an interest in building an organization to fight back against people taking our money, taking our time, and taking our health, we want to talk to you. All you need to do is call this number, 855-308-8326. Again, all you want to do is call 855-308-8326. You can make a tremendous amount of money and end up fighting for a great cause. Please call us right now. Hi, this is Ted Phillips listening to the Paracast, and it's as good as it gets, believe me. On the Paracast with Gene and Chris... We could have done another two shows like this, but we're happy to have Kevin Randall and Scott Ramsey yeah, together to I continue. I have to whip out the Band-Aids and the Vaseline uh, as the cut man <laughs> here. This is great. You guys are, you know, debating this topic uh, in a way that it should be debated, and I commend you both. Oh. I think you both are putting forth compelling arguments. Um, obviously, Scott, there's things that, uh, yeah, as when we left... Kevin was suggesting that, that you should consider doing, and, and I agree. One thing I want to add is getting George to go on the record so we can look him up in the Roswell uh, base yearbook. Scott's got a copy of the yearbook, and they've looked him up, and the, the, that, that really kind of ends that debate. 
Yeah, no, Scott there doesn't have a copy of the, the, the book. Dennis Balthaser has a copy of the book. Oh, everybody's got, everybody's got a copy of it. I've yeah, got a right. CD with a copy of it on it. There you go. You know, yeah, which, which which Kevin, sell, Kevin's right about, you know, you got to vet these people, and we do. We, we, there's probably a stack here and maybe two of other people that have made claims over the year. And, and whether they the claims are legitimate or not, we can't prove what they're saying. Therefore, they don't make it into the book. Uh, going back to Thomas Bass, who his nickname was Sam Bass, uh, he is in the base yearbook. We have a we have a picture of that. There's no doubt that he existed, and uh, the CCAF database that uh, you refer to, and like all of them, they all have a disclaimer. And the CCAF database, their disclaimer at the end says the CCAF database is known to contain errors. It's right there. The database you used, the one you cite. Okay, do errors mean omission of material or material in that document that is not correct? They they don't go beyond that. I, I, I would Well that way they can basically hedge their bets. Well they, they have to. It's a non profit group of volunteers that maintain these sites. Kevin, I know you you've found errors over the years doing your research. We found a a, a good one and I'll make this quick because I know you're running out of time. The P-80 uh, fighter that crashed out of Car- in Carrizozo back in 47. Do you remember that, Kevin? Does that ring a bell? Uh, I, I, know about, I know about the event, yes. Yeah. You look at what uh, J. Andy Kistner, the, the state uh, rep, when he pulled that crash, he got a crash report that says the pilot was making a, a dead stick approach almost out of fuel, and he was coming, he was trying to get back to LaMarche Air Force Base in California. I go down to Maxwell, sit there for five days, because that, that, there was some key threads to that crash that we wanted to use for comparison. Uh, Archie DeFonte comes up and says, oh, here's the one we gave to Kistner. I said, okay, let's keep digging, because this is completely different from what the mayor is telling us. We find a second crash report. This one's an internal document, more classified, which I have right here, the other one was to be released to the press. The second crash report has them taking off. Well, you know yeah. why they classify those reports? Well, I know why they did this one, and it's to, to help your case. But go ahead. No, the reason they classify, well, it wasn't really an accident report either, I guess. Uh, yeah, it was. No, it was accident, pilot accident, accident reports are classified so that when they interview various people, they, can, they will speak freely and, and say exactly what happened without fear of repercussion from the chain of command. Mm-hmm. So the accident okay. reports are always classified. Well, and I think this one is a little more classified because he was going up to photograph flying saucers flying near Roswell Army Airfield. I'm uh, just saying that there's a reason accident reports are classified. <laughs> That's what no, I understand. Right. But, you know, you can request documents, and we found it with Aztec. You make three requests with three different people at Maxwell, you get three different pile of documents. But anyway. Um, That's interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we've got good examples right here. Well, the P-80s, the, the classic one, where one he's landing, one he's taking off. Which one was it? Your tax but, dollars are at work, ladies and gentlemen. But, 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 but we, we stray off the, the Aztec case here. We've gone off on a lot of different tan- tangents here, and what we really need is some solid evidence that the events took place in, in March of 1948, and we have a lot of people talking about this, but there's nothing to prove that the event took place in 1948. It's all post-Scully, and that's the real problem. We need to find something that is pre-Scully. It's the same problem I have with... with no, that's about, with I've been saying time. the last two hours, or three hours here, uh, broadcast time. Yeah, we need really good slam-dunk 
even smoking evidence, please call it. That's really important. Yes, yes. That, and that, that would be a very critical and very, and very persuasive bit of evidence to find some documentation pre-scully. Scott, so how do you do that? Can you, you do I, that? I don't know if you could hear me. I said yes. Okay, so how do you going to do that at this late stage? How are you going to find that documentation if that's what makes someone like Kevin Randall dismiss this thing entirely? I, the I, absence I, I, I of... I'll give you one hint right here. And, 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 it, and since Scott has the inroads to the people in Aztec, is, is ask those people... If anybody's got a personal diary, anybody's got letters, anybody, but he's got anything that mentions this event prior to Scully, you know, uh, in, in that time frame, a lot of people kept diaries, a lot of people kept notes. Uh, uh, but one of the one of the things that really harmed the Barney Barnett case was Ruth Barnett. It turned out kept a diary for 1947. So on the dates that he supposedly was seeing the UFO, we know exactly where he was because because Ruth Barnett's diary told us. And, and we found that because we asked for those sorts of things. And, and Alice Knight finally said, oh, I found my, my, my aunt kept a diary, and I, and I have it. And, and, and so that's one of the ways you do it. Yeah, I'm sure Scott, uh, you know, much to Scott's credit, I'm sure he has really banged a bunch of Chico bushes around there for, for that sort of thing. But your point is well taken, I'm sure. And, Scott, uh, you probably agree that it would be great to come up with that. I'd, I'd like to have the lug nuts off of it. Uh, let's go back to Valentine Archuleta. He's passed now, and unfortunately his wife has. His daughters and son are alive. Valentine was telling this story in 48, right there in Aztec. He has the ranch. If you're standing at the what we call the crash site and looking due south, his ranch is almost perfectly due south of the Mesa. He was telling this story in March of 48. And you document that how? I, I documented through interviews of not him, but his kids, his nephews, and his cousins. But but did he write it down? You also, yeah, that's the point. Did he write it down? And you also told me that the one guy um, and, uh, that bought uh, Dunning's land said he bought it in 1948. And you checked the record and found out that he didn't buy it until 1953. So without yeah. documentation, no, I, I, I agree. You're saying, but, and that's the point. We've got nothing to that is pre-Scully that we can nail down. You know, if, if if the guy went on the radio and talked about it and he had a transcript from 1948, if 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 he if he wrote it down, if there was some bit of evidence that proved that he was talking about this pre-Scully, that would be great. But but mm-hmm. but afterwards, you know, saying, well, I talked about it before Scully came, book came out. That doesn't do us any good. So your position, Kevin, and we're just about to wrap it up, so we have to really keep it quicker. Your position is that the Scully book contaminated the evidence trail and made it more difficult. We know this is not going to get solved today. We didn't expect that it would be. Scott Ramsey's book is called The Aztec Incident, written with his wife Suzanne, Frank Thayer, and Frank Warren. And I gather there will be new additions to this book ongoing as they get further information. Scott, you have a website where people can check it out? Yeah, absolutely. www.theaztecincident.com. You can read segments of the book. And if you have an interest, uh, you can uh, purchase a book from the website. And, Scott, you're uh, almost sold out of your first printing. Uh, we, We actually did sell out. I retained a few books here. To fill the interim before the second right. printing, but yeah, we. Well, we are you a, going to have an abridged sort of second edition with some of the yeah. new information? Oh, good. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to quit calling Mount Taylor, Mount Taylor, and call it Taylor Mountain and fix the spellings. 
Okay, Kevin Randall, where do we find more of your stuff? You can, of course, it's on Amazon.com. You can take a look at my, my the blog. The Different Perspectives. Yes, thank you. And my latest book is Alien Mysteries, Conspiracies, and Cover-Ups, which is, should be in your bookstores even as we speak. We covered it the yeah, last time you were on the right. show. And by the way, yeah. Chris O'Brien, tell our listeners, where can we find your stuff? Well, it's a strange planet. It's ourstrangeplanet.com. And he's working on a book called Stalking the Herd. You can find us on Twitter, where we are known as the Paracast. Imagine that. We also have a Paracast fan club on Facebook. But actually, the way it's worked out, we have two. And someday, we'll figure out how to merge them with one. You can also check out our web portal at www.theparacast.com. We also have forums at forum.theparacast.com where you can post your questions. We didn't get to everything today because there's just no way too much to cover. Scott Ramsey, Kevin Randall, thank you both so much for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Gene. Thank you, everybody. Scott? (laughs) Thanks, Gene. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Kevin. It was a lot of fun. Okay. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>